With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 16 of the big show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Another Sunday, folks. Another opening the vault. Today's guest uh, was my interview. Actually, it was one of my very first interviews, so... uh, uh, yeah, it was, uh, believe in, uh, I just looked at August of 2018, I interviewed Chris Waltz, and he was a great guest, actually, I, well, all my guests have been great, I shouldn't say that, I was gonna say, I had spoiled on my first few guests, but they were, all my guests were good, but the first couple guys, they made it really easy, because they were good storytellers, and, uh, you know, so it was just, uh, kind of hit record, ask a question, and away they went, and, and Chris was great, didn't hold back, and uh, we talked about his days, you know, in the Western Hockey League, as well as, uh, you know, you old 90s Alberta junior hockey fans will be will be entertained. He actually has some AJHL stories, because he played for Fort Saskatchewan in the AJ, and uh, and no, it was a lot of fun talking to Chris, and of course, we the way he started pro in the Western Professional Hockey League with San Angelo, and, you know, and, that, and that's a seldom talked about league, you know, and there's not a lot of footage, and uh, so it was, it was cool to hear him you know, talk about, you know, Winger and Ryan Anderson and all those guys. And, uh, of course, going on the East Coast League in Toledo and, uh, you know, the Reading Royals and all that. And, uh, you know, and it was it was just a real fun talk. Chris was great to talk to. And, uh, and, and like I said, lots of stories and uh, didn't hold back. And, uh, no, it was cool. And, actually, and another guy, um, you know, it was the Spokane Chiefs, had Mike Babcock for a coach, and so at that time, you know, of course, when I interviewed him in 2018, Babcock was still coaching the Leafs, and blah, 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 so it was interesting, I I, I always say it was my first bunch of interviews, and it wasn't planned out this way, obviously, but it was funny, I had Mazur and, and Kent Staniforth and Waltz and all of them early on in my show, and Chris Graff, there was another one, and they were all coached by Babcock, so I've actually had a lot of guys on here, uh, you know, and of course he's such a polarizing figure that it's, uh, you know, it makes for some interesting conversation anyway, but, uh, no, like I said, Chris was a great guest and, uh, you know, he's still on tw- active on Twitter and, uh, you know, and, um, I, I definitely, uh, and he, and like I said, and he's been actually really not only a great guest on the show, but he has, he's gotten me a few guests as well and put me in touch with guys and, you know, I can't thank, you know, Chris has been a real, um, real booster of the, of the show. So, uh, you know, I can't thank him enough for that, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I know our interviews, uh, it goes pretty long. So 
Um, I'm not going to talk too much in this in this episode. I just hope everybody, uh, like I said, you know, as a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, <clears throat> Well, I, I was going to say the NHL should be starting. They were talking about it, but I think a big COVID flare just happened today, I think, with Tampa Bay guys or Ottawa guys or something, so or both of them, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know everyone was really hopeful of the short season and the kind of the playoff round-robin deal that they were talking about, but I, I don't know. I Me, I would just wait and play in the fall. That's what I would do, you know, chalk it up to a lost season, but... <clears throat> I know everybody's dying for some sports, so I get it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, we'll see, but, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, with the, on the network, all the NHL teams are covered, so I know they're trying to kind of get their ducks in a row, and everybody's kind of scrambling, because, uh, you know, with the COVID, I mean, there really wasn't much to talk about, I mean, you know, the draft and whatever, and other than that, you can only talk about what if so much. So, you know, but I think everybody's sort of gearing up, and hopefully this season, if they do play the playoffs, we'll get going. But uh, other than that, on the network, of course, you got Terry Ryan, my boy TR there. I mean, he's always hitting content out there, and Brady Leavold, the heroine to hockey, which is a real, you know, a real eye opening look at stuff and some inter- you know, I don't know, interesting stories. But I mean, you know, um, yeah, some definitely some, some, I, some adventures there, and, uh, you know, and, and a, you know, and a, and a real, um, you know, a real inside uh, eye-opening look, we'll put it that way, at, uh, at addiction and uh, coming back from it. So, you know, and he's doing a great job with a lot of great guests. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, of course, then, you know, I got to, you know, they're not on the network, but I got my boys, right? Alec over at Five for Fighting, he's doing a great job. Guy, I, I asked him what his secret is for getting guests because he's nailing interviews left and right. I think he's got like five in the can, so to speak. I'm like, how do you do it? But, uh, no, he's been doing great. William over at the Biscuit, you know, Dan at the Obey the Puck Show, um, you know, Get the Gate podcast and uh, Slewfoot. And, you know, like I said, there's always, there's so many podcasts out there nowadays, and I get it. And every player, every ex-player and their dog has a podcast, it seems. So, like I always say, as little guys, we're the mom and pop shops. We're all fighting for airtime. And so anybody listening to me right now, thank you very much because I know there's, numerous options to choose from so the fact that you chose the fourth line voice is uh you know is very gratifying so and i hope uh you go back and and, and listen to my other episodes uh you know I, I i you know chris has his fans and i know he'll have retweeted this and everything and i'm sure he'll you know bring in friends and stuff to listen and you know and if you're a hockey fan and an old school fan i encourage you to go back and and check like i said this is episode 16 so please go back and check out the other 15 episodes I just got my episode 15 was with Roman Volpat and it was really fun. And, uh, you know, he talks about, uh, playing, you know, coming over from Czechoslovakia and playing in the Western Hockey League and in Moose Jaw and getting that eye opener, you know, coming here in a little culture shock for sure. And then, of course, playing pro in St. Louis and, uh, meeting Tony Twist for the first time. He tells that interesting story and then in Philadelphia with Eric Lindros and stuff and, uh, gives us some behind the scenes stories about the Big E. So, no, it was a fun, fun talk. And, uh, and of course, I, you know, legendary John Morasti and Sean McMorrow and Joey Tedarenko and, and like I said, Dean Mayrad. I mean, uh, you know, lots of, uh, lots of fun guests. And, uh, actually, I just hung up the phone. Um, course next week on on twitter starts the fourth annual bob probert invitational twitter tournament um we'll get out with 64 it's like the march madness bracket i pick 64 to talk hockey's all-time toughest guys and we just have a vote 
And uh, you know, it's the fourth year we've done it, and it's always a lot of fun. Creates a lot of a lot of controversy, but a lot of conversation on Twitter, and people really get into it. And it's really fun when the ex players chime in, Darren Kimball, and well, Chris will chime in with it, and uh, lots of guys. And uh, so, if you're not on Twitter, seriously, I know it's social media. Believe me, I get it. But sign up for Twitter. Takes like one minute. Hey, if you don't even put a profile picture, just be the unspe- the egg profile picture and uh, just a fourth line voice on Twitter. Just sign up and follow me just so you can vote. It starts next Saturday and uh, we do a, uh, a round each day. 24 hours goes the voting and, and we have, like I said, we have a lot of fun. But for the last couple of years, I like to do a kind of a bar, uh, bracket preview show. And uh, when Probert was King, Steve over there, ProbertWasKing.com, there's another website to check out. Great writing and stuff. Old school hockey fan, you'll love it. Um, Steve was always really good breaking down the matchups and we always did the hypotheticals and, and it was a lot of fun. Well, this year, um, I went a different direction. I wanted to get someone else, not, not that Steve was doing a bad job, but I just wanted to, you know, a different voice and get a different perspective on things. And uh, I got, uh, Dave from the History of Hockey Fights, uh, Twitter account and he was, uh, I've known Dave for a long time and, uh, we talk about the old fight message boards and DVD and tape trading and, you know, we're like, you know, the old two fight nerds talking about, uh, the glory days of uh, tape trading and everything else. So maybe the newer fans might be like, what are these guys talking about? But uh, older fans, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll be nodding and agreeing with what we were saying and, and remembering fondly back to the fried chicken and the hockeyfight.com, the early, early days when this was all new in the late 90s and early 2000s. So, you know, and the message boards, because there's no Twitter or anything back then. So that was like our Twitter, right? It was all old school hockey fans at the time and, you know, with all the threads, would there'd always be arguments over the fights that happened that night, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, that's where I got to know Dave, and uh, we traded tapes, and uh, no, and then now he's on Twitter killing, I think he's got 12,000 followers or something, and he's always posting, you know, the birthdays and the old pictures, and Dave's got lots of old footage, and you know, we always, uh, so I wanted to get him on, and uh, he killed it, he was great, we talked for like two hours, and you know, we kind of did a little different. We didn't like, oh, this guy versus this guy, but we just kind of talked about different guys that were in the tournament and our memories of them and, and just what we thought. And it was, like I said, it was a fun talk. And uh, like I said, just two old farts uh, reliving the glory days. I mean, I, I think you can literally hear Springsteen in the background. So, But it was a lot of fun talking to Dave, and I appreciate him coming on. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So that'll be out on Wednesday. New episodes come out every Wednesday. And then on Sunday, of course, is the, uh, like this one. This Sunday, uh, you know, with the uh, vault episode from my old uh, from my old website that went down. I had uh, forty eight some episodes up there, so I, wa- I wanted to get those player interviews back up. So, and this was one of them. And like I said, Chris, I think man, he was like episode four or five or something. But so early on. But uh, like I said, he was a great guest, and I wanted to get his. I wanted to share his story again, and once the site, and uh, so I wanted to get re up uh, re upload everything. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I will get rolling with it. And like I said, uh, with all podcasts, I don't want to say I've gone corporate, but uh, I know with the network here, they have sponsors and everything else, and uh, we got to do ad reads and everything. So but uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't hit fast forward. Like I always say, I know we're supposed to do ad reads and stuff. Well, I'm not just going to read any old ad, no manscape, you know, tools for your jewels and, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, everybody listens to podcasts, you know, all about the different ads. And I know manscape does stuff with the network. I think it's for Americans only or whatever, but so I don't have any manscape, but the one product I do um, have, and I, I know a lot of people on Twitter and stuff, you guys are Jersey people. 
Because I see you talking about them, ordering this or the new third or the stadium series jersey or blah, blah, blah. Whatever, or this guy got traded to your team now, so i got to get a jersey of so-and-so. Well, this is uh, CoolHockey.com. They've been around since the 90s. They're NHLPA endorsed. I looked into it like I I told the guys in the network. I was serious. I said, you know, I'm not going to put an ad on and I'm not going to talk about something that I don't want to talk about or, or associate with, but uh, I've talked to a few people about cool hockey, and they've ordered and they've liked it, and no problems. So and they're out of Toronto, and uh, I know when I was in the mall, I'm not a big Jersey guy, but when I went to Jersey City in the mall, and I've been to the other the source for sports here in town. I mean, they have the authentic jersey with the fight strap and the whole nine yards and the knitted numbers and hand sewn numbers or whatever, and like the shit the players wear on the ice. Like two hundred ninety nine dollars, three hundred bucks. I'm like, holy! You guys have to have rocks in your head spending that. I couldn't get over how much they were. Well, cool hockey has that. It's like the authentic stuff, the actual game, not game worn, but the jerseys they wear, the fight straps and the hand sewn numbers and everything else. You can order them. You get your custom number, name, whatever you want to put on them. Free shipping. Use the promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. At checkout, 30% off. And I went and I kind of, I picked it out. A Calgary Flames third jersey. I put McGratton number 16, hand niched, like, just like how they do it. 180 bucks, guys. There you go. How, do you, how can you beat that? 180 bucks compared to the 300 I just saw at Jersey City in the in the Midtown Mall here in Saskatoon. So I'm not bullshitting. You know, I went and checked it out. Used the promo code. There it was, $180. I put a screenshot of it on Twitter. So there you go. I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to sell you bullshit or associate myself with uh, a product that I don't, you know, that I, I know nothing about or it's, you know, whatever. I, I want to know what I'm, if I'm going to tell you to use something, I want to know about it. So I did my rec- my due diligence on this. And uh, like I said, I've got nothing but positive reviews from the people I asked. So there you go. I'm going to pass it on to you. And uh Apparently it goes from 30 and sometimes 40% off. So, um, yeah, but it's free shipping. And like I said, for, uh, you know, you American guys, the exchange, you'll do great anyway. But I mean, for the Canadian folks, hey, free shipping, 180 bucks. It's out of Toronto. So it'll get there quick. Hand, hand sewn numbers. Hey, what more can, what more can you ask for from one man? I'm giving you this opportunity. And like I said, it helps the network out. And it's not like, oh, I buy the jersey and I get a percentage. It's nothing like that. But it helps, uh, Isha and Dylan and the boys out at the network, and they're doing a lot of, like I said, they host all this stuff, and what is it, 35, 40 podcasts, I don't know how they keep, I can't even do this podcast for God's sake, let alone 40, or whatever they're doing, and they have jobs and lives too, so, you know, any, you know, it helps them out with cover costs, and, uh, you know, and like I said, if we get enough sponsors and, and, and kind of keep growing, yeah, maybe I'll get a few bucks here and there, but, uh, you know, what should, hey, what should we grab, I'm not going to lie, it's not like I'm going to turn the money down if they offer it, but I mean, you know, as of right now, it's like this is strictly on my dime and a hobby, and uh, and that's fine. I mean, I, I do this for the love of the game, and uh, so to speak, and to get the guys' stories out there. But at the same time, if someone offered me a few bucks my way through PayPal, it's not like I'm going to turn it down. So, you know, so any little bit helps. And uh, so there's, I don't call it an ad read. I said I told you I'm going to call it an ad suggestion. There we go. So I don't want to go completely corporate. I'm still trying to maintain some of my my punk allure. Yeah, I don't think that's really working. <laughs> okay. Okay. But uh, anyway, I'll stop yapping now. And let's let's get on with the interview with uh, 
with my boy Chris Waltz. It was a great talk, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. So thank you very much again for uh, tuning in. Oh, and right before I go, YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I'm always putting new fights up there, 2,000-plus videos, like I said. Please uh, like and subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell notification so every time I add a new fight, ding, it'll bing, and you won't miss a single punch, and you'll be notified right away, so you won't miss anything. Like I said, i got a whole bunch of DVDs to go through, so maybe I'll actually I'll put up a bunch of stuff tonight. Maybe some old Western Hockey League stuff, so check it out. But uh, without that, without, or without further ado, let's roll. Here's my uh, From the Vault with Chris Waltz. Thanks, guys. Is my guest... Uh from Tri Cities, residing in Tri City, Washington, we got uh, Chris Walls. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Darren. How are you doing? Very good. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to to sit down and uh, and bullshit with us. <laughs> Sounds good. I think it's gonna be a blast for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like we were just talking off air, I think we'll uh, we'll kind of do a kind of the same idea that, that a timeline type deal, and uh, we, you know, we'll start here in uh, in junior, and we'll. We'll uh, go all the way and ended up. Uh, well, actually, you end up behind the bench in Richmond. So uh, we'll take the we'll take the long road and twisting winding road to get there. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk a few names and uh, and we'll and we'll see where we go from here. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. All right. Um, so you're from. Uh, well, it says here that you're born in uh, Two Hills, Alberta. Yep. There. You, so is that where you? Back in Alberta, that's probably a thousand people probably live there at most, including all the farmers around there. So that little town, yeah, one of those like Main Street's got two dead ends, that kind of thing. I, I think so. Yeah, pretty much. You got to take it right or left on either end, or you're, you're in trouble. Yeah, city limit signs on the same post. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, where did you play? Did, so, did you play AAA midget at all? Yeah, I played AAA midget. Actually, um, I'm trying to think here. So, my first year Bantam. So I went to go to Fort Saskatchewan, first year Bantam, ended up hurting my shoulder and having my first shoulder surgery. Um, went back to Vegreville, played in the double-A team a little bit after surgery, and then ended up playing in Junior B in the jungle in Alberta as a 14-year-old. Um, <laughs> uh, now, how, now, how was that introduction? Yeah, let's be honest. That was kind of a wrong turn as a 14-year-old kid. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but definitely got my first first fight that year on the ice, and uh it was definitely a fun year, you know, playing with a bunch of older guys. The overages back then were 21 years old, not 20-year-olds. Yeah. So definitely a diff- diff- different world for sure. No. But then uh, next year I played as a second-year Bantam. I made the AAA midget team in Fort Fast. So I played there that next next two years, actually. And then uh, did you get taken in the Bantam draft? So kind of a weird deal. I got picked up by Red Deer the day after the Bantam draft. Okay. So it wasn't, wasn't drafted, and they literally called me like, hey, you're on our list, and we don't know what happened. Um, it's kind of a weird, weird, well, I guess weird deal. I was super happy the next day because by the next day back then, I didn't see the paper yet to know if I was picked or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so. The days before the internet. Then, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not No luxuries back then, so. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, so then we, uh, so, so 17 years old, you roll into your first, uh, well, I guess well, you would have went into camp. So, obviously, did you go to Red Deer camp as a 16-year-old? Yep, yep. Went to Red Deer as a 16-year-old and actually had a blast. Me and Aaron Ashton played on the same line. There you go. Two 16-year-olds. And we just ran around running over everybody. Like, heck, we were both scoring goals and just had <laughs> had a blast, you know. And then, uh, obviously, he made the team. They had a couple signed guys, and I went back to Midget that year. And then ended up getting picked up by uh, Regina shortly after that. 
Did you have any yeah, fights in Red Deer camp? Um, yeah, a couple. A uh, couple in rookie camp, and then I think it was only a main camp, like a couple days, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, main camp was going on at the same time as rookie camp back then, you know? So yeah. already been five or six days in the camp. A um, couple fights, not nothing big or too memorable back then, and then definitely Regina. I kind of thought I had to fight to make that team. They kind of had a tough team, and that's what they were looking for, and Actually, I think you listed one of my fights on YouTube that I haven't even seen since I was in it. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Yeah, somebody got the, Yeah, they taped it off the Regina News. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's right. That's right. I forgot I put that up there. I didn't even know which, yeah, didn't even know which guy I was when my fight started, so I had to pay attention. But um, but I remember going to fight a couple 20-year-olds because I thought that would kind of make my mark there, you know? Yeah. Now, like – when it came to the fighting, like, was it, were you pretty comfortable with it right from the start? Or, like, did you kind of, like, did you set yeah, of... it strangely was. Like, we were like, obviously, so playing junior B at 14 definitely got me in a way different mindset than all my peers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, about my third game, I remember, there's a double tier bench at the bottom is where the next guy's going up, or there's a second tier at the top where the water bottles were at. So I was sitting on the second tier and we were playing Slave Lake, Alberta. I think we obviously were in Slave Lake. And freaking benches cleared, and it was about my third or fourth game, junior B. <laughs> I remember looking at the coach. What do I do? He goes, grab somebody. <laughs> so I went on the ice and tried tackling the smallest guy I could find because I was fourteen and didn't know what the hell to do. You know. Um, and then I had about another fight or two that year, kind of getting my bearings. Um, and I remember probably my, my best one. I fought a big guy that I definitely shouldn't have fought. Um, playing in Vermilion and dropped my aluminum stick. He went to grab a hold of me. He stepped on my stick and fell backwards, and I fell right on top of his chest. So I got a few good licks in before the accident broke us up. But he probably would have killed me if he wouldn't have stepped on my stick. Literally, that might have been my last game ever. <laughs> Gotta get lucky sometimes. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, okay, so yeah, so ninety-five, ninety-six. You're seventeen years old. You roll into Regina, and I'm just kind of uh, you play a couple games. But uh, I'm just sort of looking at the preseason here. Your very first fight is against a cat in Swift Current who was named Derek Arbez. Okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, he was a big dude, man. Arbez could go. Do you remember that at all? He was, yeah, I do. Um, like, heck, in exhibition, we fought a bunch. Like, I fought one of my actually one of my best friends from back then that we played on Team Alberta together. I fought one of my next games. Um, but, uh, no, good. Like, got in there. You know, definitely took a couple of punches, but landed the punches. It was a pretty even fight. So, like, I came out of it, you know, definitely was way bigger than me. Um, came out of it with no damage and felt not cocky, but just, just almost, like, happy. You know what I mean? Like, almost like, not that I got away with one, but that I got in one and, and made it out the other side kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, the dub's just, just a lot different. You go from playing midgets to dub, like, that's, that's a huge step. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, then, and then you fought, like, yeah, Daryl Stockham and – uh uh, uh, Andrew, uh, what was it, uh, Lusick? Yeah, oh, yeah. And yeah. then uh, my, and Mike Broda were the were the were the four uh, preseason fights they got listed here for you. And then uh, your your regular season fight was against Brandon against Leclerc. Okay, and then I had one with uh, Spiller because me and him, like I said, played together. Okay, ended up grinding at it in front of the net. He pushed me, I pushed him, we just looked at each other and threw down and punched each other five or six times and fight was over. Then after we were just laughing, if he already played a year in the dub, so I was kind of trying to catch him from playing on Team Alberta with him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, 
when we dropped the gloves, we almost didn't know who each other was. Like it was kind of a funny. Heck, I almost remember it was like comical almost. Like dropped the gloves, like shit, this is one of my buddies. <laughs> the probably one, probably my first friend I ever fought. Yeah. Well, it, there you go, right? The gloves are down. It's like, well, we're here now. We got to do it. Oh, exactly. And you know, back then, especially you're backing down. You don't know the team. You're going home that day. You know. Yep. So, yeah, definitely. Back then, from that mentality, a lot different than it is today. No, well, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's funny, just, uh, yeah, like you were saying, just looking at that, uh, that, uh, Regina team, I mean, you know, you had, you know, Jared Adams and, uh, Shane Lanigan and, jo- uh, Josh Dobbin and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin, Kevin McDonald. Yeah, I mean, they had that, yeah. Boyd Kane. I mean, yeah, that was a, that was a tough team for sure. Oh, yeah. And, and you knew getting in there, like, you had to fight those guys. I remember Dobbin, big, thick kid. Yep. In training camp, he was fighting everybody. So I kind of thought, heck, if he's doing it, that's what I better do. We're the same age, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, heck. Yeah, it was funny. I ended up playing against him in Western Professional League years after. So. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, that that question's coming. We got some Western Pro League questions coming. <laughs> yeah, that, that shit show. Yeah, we'll, we're getting there. Um, yeah, that's, that's the next jungle. Jungle View was the first one. The Western Pro League was my second one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was kind of like the pre-LNAH. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's the who's who of the Quebec senior. Pretty much, yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, absolutely. So after... So you play a couple games in Regina, and then... Uh, so from there, uh, you go back to... Well, like you were saying, it was like a midget Alberta junior kind of... Uh, yep, kind of a combo year there when I went back. Kind yeah. Of like, yeah, I played all over the map that year for sure. So you go back and you play for the yeah, Fort Saskatchewan Traders of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Yep. And, uh... Yeah, yeah. and that's when I kind of really started fighting a lot. Yeah. Um, came back, I was 17, you know, kind of felt like I had something proved so I wasn't playing for a guy anymore, you know? And I kind of thought I had a spot to play there all year and just, just wasn't playing, you know? And it was kind of a weird deal. I talked to the coaches when I left Regina. They really couldn't get me more ice time. And, you know, we almost... Mutually agreed to go back to Fort Fast. So it was kind of a weird deal. Like, shit, I was probably dumb enough to cut myself back then, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but everybody wants to play, right? So. Oh, exactly. And that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, you want to play, like, even though practices are great, you're not going to get great sitting on the bench. You're not playing the games, you know? You know, you can only practice so much. But, uh, so went back, played in the midget team for a little bit, because I played there the year before. I knew the coach. Um, trainers had a couple guys hurt. You know, asked me to come play a game, and I remember first game up, I had to wear a cage because I was still in the midget roster. Um, shit went down, and I thought I was tough because I was coming back to the dub. I fought some 20-year-old that looked really, really tough. And I remember I had to unbuckle my cage and take it all off before the fight, and I ended up laying into him, maybe getting hit once in the fight, and I dropped him. And, like, even all the vets in the team were like, holy shit, like, that guy's supposed to be really tough. <laughs> and... uh yeah, I just went from there. Coach asked me to come back and ended up finishing the year up there because I had to make a choice between the midget team or the junior team. There you go. Yeah, and that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just to. Uh, yeah, just kind of going through. I know the uh, the leading scorer at that time was in Saint Albert was uh, uh, Fernando Pisani was the uh, yep. leading scorer that year. And uh, yep. like, could you tell like even back then when you were playing like against a guy like that that he would he was just a little better than everyone else like you could just see well, it i actually remember my the one guy that i remember the most is drum mcginla obviously a phenomenal player yep played against him he was for st albert i was in fort sask 
um, Midget Triple A, yep. Max Bell Tournament in Calgary. Like, I remember, he was just lighting up our whole team. And our coach comes to the room after probably first or second period, chews our asses. Hey, can anybody freaking stop that guy? And nobody even answered him because we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody wanted to put their hand in the air and it looked like a fool. So, like, I just remember how damn good and how fast he was. Um, it was just a different level, you know? Um, and even, like, growing up in Two Hills, so Beggarville is really close. We're Damon Lankow's show. So we yep. stayed with him a lot in the summer when I was younger. And he was, what, two, three years older than me and just unbelievable. You know what I mean? Yeah. guy that just, you know, you hoped you could get that good one day and you never could, you know? So, yeah, yep. those top guys are just, just phenomenal. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, yeah, and, and I mean, that's the thing. It, it uh, yeah, sometimes you can just definitely, you know, some guys are, you know, late, get late, late bloomers, but, uh, other times sure. you, can, you can just sort of see it, right? It's just, uh, they're just a couple steps ahead of everyone else or, you know, yeah, definitely. Well, it's mind-boggling. How, how is the Ginland not picked in the WHL draft? Yeah, it, yeah, real, there you go. What, really? You know, he wasn't like, taken, yeah. seriously? He wasn't taken in the band? Yeah. Wow. Well, there yeah, you but go. Like that, like you're like, like I don't know if he was tiny that year or what. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I played against him what a couple years after, and he was damn best damn player there was. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like now you're a hockey hall of famer and everything else, and he doesn't go in the Bantam draft. Well, there you go, yeah. folks listening. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing. Shea Weber never went in the Bantam draft either. You know? And yeah, uh, true. Yeah. I mean, there's always guys that fall through the cracks, right? So. You know, and then and then other guys that get taken really high, and you're oh, everybody's this guy's destined for greatness, and he goes from a prospect to a suspect in about two years. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah. No. A lot of them. A lot of them on both sides. Absolutely. Well, so then the next year, ninety six, ninety seven, you roll into Tri City, and uh, and you play thirty five games that year. You get sixty three pims. You get into a few tilts. Uh, yeah. How how was that for you? Like uh, teammates with uh, Sean Legault, and anybody that follows minor league hockey has heard of old legs. I mean, uh, that guy yeah, was one uh, of my good, good good friends to today. Heck, I was in Cabo with him a couple months ago. So there you go. Um, is he is he still crazy? Is he still crazy? Uh, not quite. He actually quit drinking shit almost ten years ago now. Well, he's still the life of the party, but hasn't drank. So it's probably probably for him a pretty good move because I've been with him when he's been drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's probably bars around his bedroom if he uh, gets on that path. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely a smart move for sure. Um, but no, Tri Cities was a good time. Um, went in there, my, you know, thought I was going to keep doing what I did in the AJ because I, geez, not sound talking. Don't know if I lost a fight in the AJ that 17 year old year. Like just fought guys that were probably should have been out of my league and kept kind of winning. Yep. But I went to the dub. I almost expected, you know, I know guys like Scott Park and these guys that I probably was going to beat up. You know what I mean? But as far as everybody else that wasn't an animal out there, I thought I had a chance. In my first game of the year, I got in a fight with Seven Seattle. I was like 6'5", and I dislocated my shoulder and went for shoulder surgery. So I never came back and played a game until Christmas time. So then Charlie City's like, hey, we don't want you fighting and getting re-hurt, you know? Ended up fighting by the end of the year, actually having a second shoulder surgery that summer because I tweaked up and the doctor's already fixed for me. But, oh, well, that's, hey, you're young. You think you're invincible. Yeah, you know. So well, I mean, at that point, was your sort of your career path, like your role in the game, is pretty well. Like, did you at that point, like you were under no illusions of what your role was at that point? Well, no. So back then, like obviously, I didn't have to go fight guys. Like I said, Parker, these guys every night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were guys that were just 
monsters. Um, luckily for me, I was a very fast skater back in the day. So, like, my second year, I got to play with Gomez on the line. But basically, all I did was, if I had to fuck give it to Gomez, if anybody hit Gomez, I'd go run him over. <laughs> yeah. Know? So, you know, I never, and weird through my whole career, because I get asked this question a lot, like, did I ever have a coach that made me fight guys? And I've never had a coach tell me, like, hey, go fight number 10, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think early, I knew my role. Like, I really didn't have to be a heavyweight that ever sat on the bench. Like, I got to play a regular shift and all that stuff. Um, heck, got to play power play, but I'd stand in front of the net and take a beating by the defenseman in the back. <laughs> well, guys, ripped slap shots by my face. But, uh, yeah, so luckily for that, it was just, you know your role, but at the same time, some of those guys, like some of my buddies, never, ever played. No. And I think that would have been a tough tough way to do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, when you're dead cold, haven't had a shift all game, second period, they expect you to go fight somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, but luckily, I never never had to never had to do that exactly like that. So, yeah, could have been worse. Yeah, well, I'm just kind of like you said, you had a, you had a few fights there in uh, in trying that in that year, and uh, Brendan Morrow and Kyle Rossiter and uh, yep. Steve Albrecht. You know, so you know you're you're uh, you were getting involved for sure. But yeah, um, for sure, well, heck, I think I think that year we set a record for least wins in Tri Cities at that point. But we think I think we had the most sellouts. So our team wasn't putting up numbers on the floor, but we were in the penalty box for sure. Yeah, well, that and that just that that kind of that mid to late nineties in the Western Hockey. I mean, the WHL was always tough, but that kind of that yeah. mid nineties was just insane. When you start looking at the rosters of teams, it's just uh, and, oh, yeah. you know, and especially out in the you know with the American teams. Well, like I mean, even on your team, I mean, you had you and you had uh, Sean Legault. I mean, Legault had thirty eight yeah. tilts that year. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, for sure. And even like I remember one night we go to uh, Medicine Hat. Neither of us had played a game against Rocky Thompson yet. Yeah. So we're, we always we always rode on the bus next to each other and sat next to each other in the locker room, and we're like, hey, you know, which one of us should fight Rocky? And we're like, well, fucking one does, the other one will. Like, let's both fight him tonight, right? Lego fought him, and Rocky kept switching hands on him and shit. Lego hung in there, never went down, but freaking took a few punches for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I went to give him his gloves and stuff in the penalty box. I was on the ice when they dropped him. And like, I remember him looking at me dead in the eyes, like, don't fight him. That was probably good advice. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Rocky. That reminds me one time what my buddy said. He got, he was played in the SJ and he was up a nip when he got his ass kicked. And, uh, but he goes, Oh, Darren, he goes, I'll tell you. He goes, I didn't go down, but I was doing funny things standing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, but old, uh, yeah, well, Lego certainly wasn't alone. Rocky did that to more than one person, that's for sure. Oh, geez. Yeah, he, he was a tough, tough man, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, just like you were saying, just some of the opponents, like you just talked about, like Parker in Kelowna, they got Parker, Chris Millette. Seattle's oh. got friggin' Paul Ferrone, Tyler Willis, Mohagan. Spokane's got Ferrance, Ty Jones, Chris Graff. Portland's got Kevin Pop and Joey Tedarenko. I mean, it's just insane, yeah. you know, like every oh, night. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, and heck, Kelowna, that's only the beginning of their list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, oh, you had Ryan Andres and Justin Jack and, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. The goal scores, I remember, were as wide as they were tall. Yeah. <laughs> On that old arena with the back wall there and stuff. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we actually uh, – my son's team, we, we won a tournament there last year. And heck, it was bringing back memories when I was standing on the bench there. I was like, Jesus, 
<laughs> yeah, that's what the final game was up there. So yeah, that, good time. so when you like when you're in the league and you guys are, I mean, obviously this is before uh, the internet and YouTube and everything. But I mean, but in the hockey world, I mean, the word gets out, travels through the around the boys and through the different teams. Yeah. Like, you know, I know from from watching footage and just being around the league and talking to guys and whatever at that time, it was widely known that like it was basically Scott Parker and Rocky Thompson were like the two guys, like the two kind of the heavyweight. There was like the heavyweight yeah, title, and then and then probably that Tony Mohagen would slide his way in probably number three back in the day. Cause yeah. Was, He's a big, tough man, too. You know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, like, what was it like to play against Parker? Like, were you kind of... It wasn't good. No, no, no I mean, no, it wasn't it was, good, but... Uh... The worst thing is, in the dub, the guy could play because he was so big. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, We had a 30-goal goal season, yeah. Yeah, you'd go around him and freaking felt like it didn't even affect him. You know, you felt like a little kid playing against a man, you know, like... Yeah. Just a different world. And the good thing is, like, or not the good thing, the bad thing is, he was always looking for a fight. Yep. You know, because especially, um, heck, he was, what, a third-round draft pick, never signed, went back and became a first-rounder in Colorado, you yep. know? Yep, So he was trying to prove a point in the middle there. And that's when we were playing against him. We're like, shit, sake. You know what I mean? Like, every night that guy was trying to kill somebody. Yep. <laughs> and he'd score a goal or two against you, you know? Well, yeah, like, I know the one fight against Legault. I thought he almost put Legault in the fifth row. He hit him so hard. Oh, I remember one, and that was probably the same fight. Sean's head snapped fully back. He's almost looking at the ceiling and puts his head forward. Sean's throwing another punch, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, geez, I remember when they'd fight. I'd go grab somebody to fight, so I'd get kicked out of the damn game. Now <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I get to take half a night off then at least. Shit. Yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, that was, uh, that was a wild scene back there, back then. Oh, well, I was going to ask you about Seattle. I mean, cause obviously being in Tri Cities, you would have saw them a lot. What, what was playing against friggin' Willis like? Oh, the, the worst is even in the coast or the United League, I played against Willis a ton. Like, I probably fought Willis 15 times. Yeah. Like that little shit, but he just takes, you can hit him in the head of the two by four and he smiles at you. You yep. know, like, Good thing is, like, he was probably the only guy I ever had a reach advantage over back then because all the tough guys were so damn big, you know? Yeah. Um, but he was just played the perfect role for him. Yep. Don't shit the server. So he'd get in your face. He'd tell you he wouldn't want to fight. And then he'd drop the gloves or vice versa. Tell you he's going to fight and wouldn't drop the gloves. He'd just piss you off. You yep. know, you never knew where you stood with the guy, but he did his role to a teeth. Like, that's what he needed him to do. And they already had other tough guys, too, you know? So he wasn't out there fighting every night. He was out there scoring goals, just pissing off the whole of their team. So yeah, definitely effective, very effective. Yeah. So, like you said, you uh, you kind of you, you kind of ripped apart the shoulder there and try, and then uh, but you played the second half of the year. Yep. And then uh, now, were you in Tri City like the whole time? Like you didn't go back to the AJ yeah. that year, did you? No, no. So I, I actually went home. Uh, Back in the day, the best surgeon was the guy of the Calgary. He did like the Oilers, the Flames, all them. So, kind of through a doctor I knew, got into that surgeon. So I went back to Edmonton, drove to Calgary, you know, had surgery up there, did my rehab at Edmonton, and then came back right before Christmas time. So I remember skating with the traders in practice to kind of keep my legs underneath me, you know. And uh, basically, when I was ready, I remember I went to an Edmonton ice game and seen Scott Bonner in the stands. Went and talked to him. He literally called Tri Cities the next day and. A few days later, I was driving my car down here. So, kind of that quick. I'm like, hey, just finished physical therapy. Like, I think that day I seen him. He's like, all right, let's get you back. 
And a few days later, it's back in Tri City playing. So, yeah, yeah, well, pretty quick. Yeah. So we, so okay, we, uh, we finish up that year and then, okay, then the next year, 97, 98. And this is kind of, uh, you know, we bounced a little bit here. So you started in Tri City and you, and you play six games there. Well, and, so yeah, so came back with Lego, probably the, I was in twice as good a shape as the year before, way bigger, stronger, faster. Yep. Um, Bob Brown, worst general manager in WHL history, probably. Lego, Leaves the team, goes back to Labrette, or goes to Labrette in the uh, SJ. Yep. So then I was kind of there by myself. You know what I mean? Um, Bob Lokes is our coach. Love Lokesy. Milan Dragon Civic assistant coach. Great guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, man, me and Lokesy should we golf together until a couple years ago. Last time I seen him a couple years ago, we were golf together. So, uh, but dude, guy, he loved the way I played, but shit, the GM had so much control. Like Bob Brown would cut guys without telling the coach. Yeah. Like, he was like, I'd be like, hey, my two wingers are freaking halfway to Saskatchewan right now. They're like, what do you mean? Like, so there's so much control by GMs back in the day. You know, hopefully it's not still like that today because the coach needs to kind of have, have some say for sure. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so he just, I'd fight or I wouldn't fight and could never read the guy. So didn't even know what he expected me to do. And it wasn't coming from the coach. It was coming from the other office, you know? Yeah. Um, so weird. So yeah, trade me to Seattle. The guy they traded me for got hurt. So I came back to Cherry City, but we didn't play. Like They're like, hey, we've got another trade worked out. We're trading it tomorrow kind of thing. You know what I mean? And uh, got traded to Spokane. So kind of uh, drove to one side of the mountain, came back <laughs> and uh, yeah, ended up there for a few weeks. So Yeah, so yeah, you... I just wasn't playing. And Babcock, that's even another control-free coach back in the day. Um, I remember one night I fought Tony Mohagan, got the game-winning goal of the game in Swift Current. And he healthy shots me and he said I didn't do enough. And I'm like, well, shit, I just fought pretty much the toughest guy in the league. Got the game-winning goal. Like, I don't know what else, what else expect me, you know? Like, I wasn't Ty Jones. Ty Jones was a beast. Like, that wasn't me, you know? Um, but obviously, I, I either did something wrong or apparently I didn't do enough. Yeah, so, well. I went back to uh, AJ that year because we, four staffs was putting together a hell of a team. My good buddy Trevor Baker came back from Prince Albert and, uh, I kind of met him in Fort Cass. We went back and played and lit it up and had had a blast that year. That was uh, that was my nineteen year old year. Yep. Kind of all over the map. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was quite the. Uh, you put a lot of put a lot of miles in the car that day that year. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you when you were in. So you go back to Alberta and you're in the AJ. Um, I just kind of looking up a few names. Like it, I was saying to you before we got recording here that I said back then it's, uh, it's so hard to find information on the Alberta League. Cause I, I'm over here in Saskatchewan. I mean, I, the SJHL, I could do it, but the Alberta League was a little, little tough. But a, a couple names that kind of stuck out to me that I was wanted to ask you about was, uh, Ryan Schmier, the old Schmier boys. Yep. Did, uh, so did you, we fought in, in the Whipple, but not, uh, not in junior. No. So he played in Bonneville, big, Big, big kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't think we ever fought in junior. I don't ever remember fighting him in junior. So, yeah. That's yeah, kind of crazy. Dude. Jesus, he was a goalie one year and then comes back as an enforcer the next year. <laughs> really? He was a goalie? No, oh, yeah, he, he pulled the Brandon Christian thing? Back, yeah, came back 6'5 and a fighter. Huh. Like, it was like, Jesus. I was like, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, hey, there, there you go, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. Brandon Christian, that's the guy. Yeah, almost had nightmares of that guy my first year. 
Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. He, he, well, that was a big dude too. Yeah, and he was started as a goalie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, there was another name that stuck out, and he had a ton of pims. I, uh, uh, Rob Olson. Do you yeah, remember? Rob Olson played in uh, Sherwood Park, right? I believe so. Yeah. Played in Sherwood Park back in the day. Yeah, I was in Fort Cass. We played them a ton. You know, they were right up the right up the road. So yeah, played them a little ton. Um, yeah, fought him a couple times. Don't don't really remember a lot about him, but I think we're probably about the same size. But he wasn't a great big guy or nothing. So. Yeah. There, there was a guy I was looking up, and I, he must be. I think he's the Alberta. I think he's the AJ's all-time penalty minute leader. He had 500 minutes when he played three seasons with the Calgary Royals. His name's Alex Halat. Hallett. Yep. Do you know yep. who? I'm, do you know who yep. I'm talking about? Yeah, he was a little shit that would just jump guys and stuff. Well, I, I have no idea. I was just looking at his penalty minute total. I was like, Jesus, he had 1,200 minutes in three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. I remember like. And those, those Calgary teams, we only, we didn't see them that often. You know what I mean? Like we play, you know how it is, Fort Sass, Short Park, St. Albert, all the teams right around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never seen those guys a ton, but it was fun. Like I remember I came back from Tri-City and, well, actually it was kind of nice. They paid me a pretty hefty amount to go back and play in Fort Sass. So I felt like I was, felt like I was a rich 19 year old. And, yep. uh, came in my first weekend. I had 12 points in two fights and fought probably two of the toughest guys in the league and just made a mockery of them. Like, I remember after my one fight, I went around the whole arena, like, raising the roof pretty much, like, like an idiot. <laughs> but, yeah, was so excited. But back then, one fight, you were done in the AJ. Okay. So, you had to kind of pick your time and do it in the third period because, you know, back, like I said, I was getting three, three, four points a game back then, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, those, th- those third period that take an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's five minutes left to take you 45 minutes, so... <laughs> yeah, well, just for people listening, just to uh, you know, just to go away from the uh, the fighting part of it for a sec. But in the Alberta League, the uh, leading scorer that year was Mike Comrie, yep. and uh, and uh, Jamie Lundmark. I guess St. Albert obviously had a hell of a team. I would assume. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones. That, they're the ones that stopped us from winning the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, they knocked us out. So yeah, and, and there was a young kid in Lloyd Minster just starting out named Scott Hartnell was starting out. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah. So it's funny when you go back and you kind of look up, look up the names and, uh, you know, every, everybody had to come from somewhere, right? So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. And all those guys were, can, like we said, another level, you know? Yeah. Well, and you, you briefly talked about it and I don't know how much further you want to go into it, but I, I'd be, I have to ask because like I said, I was, like I said to Mazer when I was interviewing him, um, He's such a polarizing figure. You were just talking about Mike Babcock was your coach in Spokane. Yeah. Now, yeah. what, like, what What was, uh, like, is he just hard to, com- like, in your case, was it just you couldn't, like, communicate with him or? Yeah. Yeah, like, control freak. Um, I don't know. Like, just a different cat. Like, control freak, but different personality. Like, I came from Bob Lux and Chad. He was so personal. We'd talk to the guys, hang out. It wasn't like that. The only time we seen Babcock was if we were doing a meeting or on the ice, you know, like it was a weird deal. But then he had guys like Chris Graff, who had Chris Graff's nickname should be the giant killer, you know. Yep, yep. I love Like Graff could do no wrong. Heck, he could drive his car on the ice and not get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so definitely played played the favorites. Um, but, like, obviously Ty Jones, their best player, hands down back in the day, like should have been the best, one of the biggest power forwards in the NHL, you know. Hated Babcock so much, he asked for a trade daily. You know, like, 
just different cat, you know, and I heard he's kind of calmed down in the NHL. But then you get, like, obviously my buddy Commodore reminds everybody that he's the one that screwed Mike Madonna to play in 1,500 games. Yep. Yeah. You know, you don't leave a guy healthy scratch for three games at 1499. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's greasy. So, yeah. Yeah, that's just like, yeah, some that's uh, control freak or some, I don't know, different personality there for sure because every other, you know, 99% of the other coaches would have got that guy in the ice with a broken leg. Yeah. You know, put him on for a shift or let him chirp somebody from the bench, get on the score sheet and send him to the locker room, you know. Yep. But, oh, well. Yeah, we press on, right? But, uh, yeah, like I said, it's such, it's such a, it's such a, he's such a polarizing figure, right? There's others, you know, that, uh, oh, that... he's done well, obviously. You know, he's oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yep. not, not no slouch of a coach. He's, he's a damn good coach, but, yeah, you know, don't mess. You know, like I know Graff and some of the guys probably loved him because they, lo- you know, he loved them and let them kind of do whatever they wanted, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. Every, every, everyone's different, right? So it was, uh, exactly. All right. Well, so now you're turning 20 years old, uh, and you and you're going to turn pro, and you end up cool. in 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 San yeah. Angelo of the Western yeah, Professional so League. Home, yep. Have a year junior that you left. Um, yep. Yep. Had Fort Sass offered to actually pay me over the summer if I stay and play for them. Like it was kind of a crazy time back in the day. You know what I mean? Um, and then I get a call from Corey Clouston, who ended up being heck WHL coach for a long time. Um, he was my midget assistant coach. And he was coaching Grand Prairie that year that I went back to Fort Sass. We knocked him out of playoffs four games straight. So calls me up and he was like, hey, my brother's down in Texas, professional team, he wants to sign you. And I thought I'm going back to Fort Sass because I have no option. You know, the dub, you're only about three 20-year-olds on a team. I'm not going to make any teams. Obviously, three dub guys are first, second-round draft picks usually, you know? Yep. And, uh... Yeah, so get this call. I remember, heck, I was at my grandparents' house, answered the phone, and talked to him about it. And then his brother called me, you know, shortly after and kind of worked out the details. And, heck, it took me about a month and a half to sign because I wasn't sure. You know, you're a 20-year-old kid. I could have played junior and felt like I dominated the AJ because the year before I had a ton of points, fought whoever I wanted, had a blast, you know what I mean? Um, but then I had this opportunity came up. So kind of hummed it hard and talked to – you know, my dad and other people and whoever I kind of could get some input from and just decided to jump on it and uh, hop in my car and drive to San Angelo, Texas. <laughs> well, at least it was somewhere warm, too, for the winter. That'd be a nice change. Oh, oh it was warm. Yeah, it was nice wearing shorts to the rink in December. Yeah. Definitely different than uh, a ski suit. And... <laughs> so, yeah. yeah a different world, for sure. So, 20 years old, here you are in Texas. In the Western Pro League, and uh, for folks listening out there, uh, if you go and look at the rosters of these teams in the Western Pro League at the time, it, uh, it, it it really had what I guess later on would become like the Quebec League kind of vibe to it. I mean, whoever put the, when they put the Western Pro League together, I could tell you these the owners of the team they had the right idea to get the fans' interest. Oh. They marketed it in Texas because you'd go there, like San Angelo, and our owners own the, uh, the beer sales as well as part of their lease. Every Texan would have 10 beers. Yeah. They yeah. wouldn't care if we were winning or losing 7-1. But if there was a fight, everybody was asses out of their seat, and they were going nuts, you know? Yep. So definitely there was, uh, <laughs> you know, some owners definitely down there. Like, it's funny, you hear these NHL guys talk about the AHL calling it the jungle. Yep. The AHL was a bunch of pussies compared to the WPHL. 
You know what I mean? Um, like, and that's, and that's a legit thing. Like, I remember going into some games. Like, I'm a 20-year-old kid, right? You go play Arkansas my first year pro. Jason Rushton, Darren Kimball, um, Todd St. Louis, <laughs> Marty Melnichuk. The meat, grind, the meat grinder. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, but just think, like, that's, that's five or six legit, legit, legit heavyweights. Yeah, yeah. And even, like, freaking one of their goal scorers, Brian Pellerin, who's he's actually the Tri-State American's assistant coach right now. I see the guy all the time. But uh, tough dude. And he's yep. one of the goal scorers. Yeah. And you're like, yep. you can't get away from anybody in that rink, you know? And but just think how many teams are like that. Every team had... Well, probably every team almost except our team has four, five, or six legit, legit heavyweights, you know? Um, guys that have been through the East Coast or been through the NHL just playing out the last couple of years pro. Um, you know, a lot of guys played IHL, AHL, and had, you know, three, four, five hundred penalty minutes in those leagues, you know? Yeah. Like Gary Kupel, who had one of my most memorable fights that year, um, he's been banned from every league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was. was so tough and crazy. He's a fan from every freaking league out there, you know. Um, yeah, but that was that was a daily thing. Like, it's, I definitely felt like I bit off more than I could chew that first year. Um, and funniest year I've ever had in my life. Like, my first year pro is my funnest year pro, hands down. There, well, you you played sixty two games. You had two hundred and eighty five penalty minutes. Um, well, I was going to say, one of your teammates, speaking of the Quebec League, was Mike Bajerny. Uh, yep, I was. I was going to He was a oh, tough guy. And, well, Shane Stevenson, the legend, I played with my rookie year. Yep. Drafted by Boston as a first-rounder. Played, played for the Boston Bridge with an 18-year-old fighting freaking guys like Bob Prover. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Ryan Reed, who from Fort Saskatchewan. You know what I mean? Like guys that he was older than me, but I heard stories of him growing up. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and the funny is, I finished third in the league in fights that year with 28 fights. Yep. A third or fourth. And uh, funny, I think a few games, or a month or so in, Reader breaks his hand. Construction company offers me 100 bucks a fight. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So literally, they would dump 100 ones in the penalty box and leave these huge Ziploc bags in there. And I'd literally go back with $100 in ones and give it to my trainer. After my fight, like, skate across the ice with $100 in my hand. And then some other teams started pitching, and there was a salary cap violation, so we couldn't do it anymore. So I had to meet the guy at the VIP bar after the game to get a $100 pill for every fight I got into. <laughs> so just shit like, you. yeah, you don't see any of that stuff nowadays, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Well, even when you were talking about uh, Junior A and um... – you know, and then and then paying you to play. Like I had friends that played in the Saskatchewan League or wherever, and uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if you had some pull, you could make some pretty decent money playing junior A hockey back in the day. Oh yeah, like I think check they paid. I was nineteen, right? My second time with the Traders. They paid my rent downtown Edmonton. I got a uh, apartment. I remember the building called Jasper One Eleven. It's right downtown, middle of Edmonton. Fully furnished apartment with sixteen hundred bucks a month, and I think they gave me like. 1600 bucks or 1800 bucks a month food money on top of it. So I didn't have to get a job. So no bills, you know, making a few three, four hundred bucks a week just to pay for my food and beer. <laughs> Living <laughs> so the dream. Like I yeah. Thought, thought I was rich. Living the dream. Yeah. 
Well, so you played the two seasons in the Western Pro League in San Angelo, and uh, and like you're saying, you, you you listed off a few guys to meet Grinder, and uh, well, the one guy that's always uh, oh, he was in Austin there from I think like I was saying from when they started up to when they closed the door, you had Ryan Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Anderson. Yeah, yeah, and and of course yeah, I fought him a couple times too. Yeah, and the uh, legendary Brad Wingfeld. Yeah, yeah, the winger. I just uh, seen him this summer. Yeah, well, I had an argument with him because we didn't know who I was. It was pretty hilarious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got we, we almost got an argument at a what a ten uh, Adam hockey game in BC. It was pretty funny, pretty comical. And actually, I just talked to him today. So, yeah, good guy. Yeah, he, uh, he didn't like winger like he played with like Jeff Bumstead and guys like that. Like that team was ridiculous, dude. Yep. Like, the guy that put up. What do you have? A hundred points, and I want to know how many penalty minutes. You mean? Um, geez, like, yeah, he's the guy that has like three hundred penalty minutes of what seventy, eighty, ninety points a year. Yep. <laughs> and then you had Phil Volk was there too. Uh, Sean Pete was there that year. Yep. Even Quentin Van Hurlick, like even their guys that weren't tough were tough. Yep. <laughs> you know? no, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, just that league. Yeah, you had Vero, Dean Schmier, Brad Demonsky, Jody Murphy. You know, yeah, fought all those guys for sure. Um, oh, but even to think, like Jacques Mayotte, Darren Kimball, Craig Cox. Yep. Mayotte, there, there's a guy. Did you? Christian, who we talked about earlier? Yeah. Did you ever fight Mayotte? Uh, no, Mayotte and him never fought. I remember he fought once against our team, and um, he was kind of hurt almost every time we played him. Yeah, well, he was, yeah, he was kind of at the end of the line. Yeah, I was just looking at your second year, just your fight card. Well, I see you fought Varhog. How'd that go? Oh, yeah, we actually, I've fought him a couple times over the years. Um, went fine. Obviously, he had a super reach advantage over me. Yeah. So I'd get in tight, throw a punch or two. Then he'd throw one and kind of, lay, you know, lengthen me out a little bit. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Went, but he, he's a guy that turned into a machine. When he was in that Quebec league, he said he was, the toughest of the tough in that league. Yeah, know? yeah, he was. So, yeah, he went from kind of, you know, maybe, maybe kind of learning how to fight a little bit back when I fought him. Yeah, to really knowing how to fight. You know, like, well, he kind of, kind of really used his reach. You know? Yeah, like guys when they're that big, they kind of grow into it. They got to grow into it a little bit. Yeah. You know, at first yeah. you sort of like, like the too. I fought him. He's six eight or six nine. Like, yeah. If you don't get inside of those guys early in the fight, shit, they'll just hold you out and eat you your lunch. You know. Yeah. Well, I was noticing there's a, there's a few guys on here that you fought a bunch of times. And a friend of mine in BC wanted to know about a guy because he, uh, he played at Junior B against him and stuff. Jeff Corbett. Yeah, he played, what the heck did he play? Lubbock, maybe? Uh, yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, no, yeah, I fought him a few times for sure. Um, just kind of like one of those guys that's always a gamer. And he's yeah. probably a year or two older than me. And heck, we're probably pretty close to the same size, you know? Yeah. So we definitely kind of, kind of threw down a lot. But yeah, that second year. I got suspended a couple of times. I think I played 52 games and had 39 fights that year. Yeah. Like I think I led the league by over 10 majors, and that's kind of crazy in that Western professional league as a 21-year-old. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there was another guy, Shane Tidsbury. Yep. Yeah, he's actually from back in, like, Vermilion, Alberta or somewhere. Yep. So, like, I kind of had friends that knew him or that played against him or some stuff growing up. Like, it was kind of funny. Like, after we fought the first time, I just happened to talk to a buddy from Alberta, and he was like, oh, yeah, I played against him. I don't know if it was in Asia or where. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, can't really remember, but uh, yeah, yeah, I fought him a bunch that year. Yeah, Mark LaBelle. 
Yep. Yeah, tough guy. Yeah, he was. Yep. And even like me and Russian played together, and I fought him a couple times. Um, jeez. Remember fighting? Oh, you, back you remember fighting a guy named Corey Herman? Uh, Corey Herman. I don't know. I don't know if it rang the bell. Okay. Yep. Well, well, yeah, you did, well, you did fight him a couple times. Yeah, he played in El Paso. A big, I think he's a big, oh. na- a big native guy. I got you. Yeah. Uh, yeah and El well, Paso, that was that was quick to burn. Yeah, and then uh, well, I think you, you fought Sean Skihar too. Yep. Yeah, fought him a couple times, and then I think I fought him again in the coast a couple times too. I think he played. I can't remember where the heck he played in the coast. Well, yeah. Louisiana. Right. What, no, he my, played with the ice skaters. First, uh, I tell you, my first game in pro, I remember my first pro fight like it was yesterday. <laughs> Who was it against? Uh, Eric Node. Okay, yeah, from the Quebec at, League, yeah. Quebec League, but he was picked by Boston, what, second, third round as a tough guy, you know? Yep. Um, bit bigger than me. And he fought Mike Vandenberg on my team early in the first period, right? Yep. And Vandenberg's a big defenseman, what, 6'2", 6'3", 230, you know? And... Eric Doe just lit him up, you know, just fast and hard puncher, I remember. So I remember after the first, you get back to the bench for the second, and I tell Jean Bluan, who's our uh, our captain back then, I'm like, Jean, I'm going to go fight him. And he's like, no, Chris, my brother, Sylvan Bluan, who was Montreal's tough guy at the time, playing for the Canadians, fought him a junior. Like, he's tough. Like, he's tough like my brother. You're a 20-year-old rookie. Don't fight him. And John's got his friend Jackson. I'm like, no, John, i got to fight him. Like, i got to make the team. And he's like, Chris, you're on the team. You're a 20-year-old. You've already signed a contract. You're in. And I remember we had a talk. I'm like, John, I'm sitting in a folding chair at the end of the freaking locker room. I don't even have a stall yet. You know what I mean? So obviously I'm not on the team. You know what I mean? And he's like, dude, don't do it. All of a sudden, no goes on the ice. It's right at the end of the second, about two minutes left. So I look at John. They call my line. I go, okay, see ya. See you in five minutes. Go up there. And I remember tapping him on the pad, knee pads. I'm like, hey, want to go? He's like, yep. You're fucking dead. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Dropped my gloves, and I remember being scared. Like, in junior, I wasn't scared to fight. This is my first pro fight, first regular season game. Um, dropped the gloves and just threw as hard as I could and as fast as I could. Dropped them about after about three or four punches. I backed up and let him up, which is probably not the smartest move I ever had in my career. He came right in and cracked me to the left, like right in the eye. Like, he punched pretty much through my eye. I threw a couple punches again and dropped him again. So I laid him out twice in one fight, but my eye was swollen shut. You know what I mean? I was so excited. I did a lap around the rink again. I don't know why I did that stupid shit. But uh, I go to go to the penalty box. I was, oh, there's two minutes. Go to the locker room. So I go sit in the locker room. And I remember Sean Cluson was my coach, who's in, uh, the heck's he at? Brandon? And... I'm sitting there. I hear we score a goal, so I'm all kind of excited. You know what I mean? And we scored another goal. We scored two goals while I was sitting in the locker room. And coach comes in losing his mind. All the vets are losing their mind. They're like, holy shit, blah, 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 blah. And I remember Jean Blouin comes, because I still had a hockey bag to put my shit in. You know what I mean? Gets it, moves to the stall next to his. like, rookie, you're sitting here all year. Sit in the stall. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a cool memory, but definitely that was my first game pro, first regular season game. And I, I got a goal that game too that I never touched the puck on. So there, oh, there, that's a hell, hell of a pro debut. Yeah, yeah, it was heck. It was kind of a 
I thought it was a, thought it was a pretty big deal back in the day. So that was fun, fun for sure. Now, Justin, like before we get uh, to your East Coast time, uh, we're just kind of wrapping up the Western Pro League. I mean, it wasn't around for very long, but I mean, you know, <clears throat> there's a few books written about it, and uh, I talked about it on the Mazer interview, the Zamboni Rodeo, and the guy followed the Austin Ice Bats around for the year. And what what were just some of the some of the trips like, and like the fans, you know, because especially down there in the late '90s, I mean, obviously down south in Texas, I mean. They probably didn't know a lot about the game, but I mean, it was you know fifty cent draft and let's see some tilts and uh, yeah. But what was just the oh, like? I I you know, I've talked to some people down there and they like they they really enjoyed it. Like just it was. Uh, what was what was your take overall of the Western Pro League? Definitely a different world. Like playing in the East Coast League, um, sounds a bit more professional, a bit more you know. Yeah. Um, like established, more white collar versus blue collar. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but tough to say. Like I, I already said, that first year was my favorite year playing pro hockey. Yep. Like great, great guys. You know, you played like I said, played for Boston. He took me under his wing and kind of changed the whole my whole style of fighting that year. You know, you know, junior, I'm a righty. So you'd come in, you'd grab the left shoulder of the guy, and you'd throw punches till somebody fell down. You know. So he's seen me fight a couple times that year, and he's like, hey, kid, let me work with you for two weeks. So I'm all right. So after practice, you know, have our gloves off, and he's showing me stuff. And he goes, hey, why do you grab their shoulder? I'm like, I don't know. I'm supposed to. You get a grip. He goes, dummy, grab their elbow. I go, what? He goes, if you come in and grab both their elbows, you'll never get hit. And the funny thing is, he'd been in a couple fights that year and never got hit. You know what I mean? Yep. He's like, oh, maybe there's something behind this. So then you find out the guy's a righty or lefty. If he's only trying to throw a right, he goes, all right, you're a righty, so hold your left. I mean, hold the right, your left, hold the elbow. Every time they throw a punch, just straight your arm. He goes, you'll never get hit again in a fight. But, like, little stuff like that that I worked with him, worked with him on, and then I got in a fight against somebody, shit, I can't remember, but somebody, like, super, super tough, right? And never got hit and laid the guy out, and he was just laughing on the bench, like, I told you, I told you. <laughs> But just, you know, like some of those guys were just great, great guys. They were playing down there, having fun. Yep. And it was different. Like East Coast, like everybody, most of those guys are trying to get to the next level, you know? Um, and a lot of guys in the Western Pro, they were there to have fun. Like, so it made it. They were there to compete every night at the arena, worked hard in practice, but it was fun for them. You know what I mean? Like, almost like they never took it like a job, you know? Um, and something about that made it just, I don't know, great experience. Plus, we made it all the way to the finals that year. It was definitely a, a great year. Yep. Well, so you played two years there, and then in uh, yep. 2000, 2001, uh, you're in the East Coast League in, uh, in with the Greensboro Generals. Yep. And Jeff, uh, Jeff Brubaker, head coach. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my first question. How was uh, Brew Baker, the old NHL pro? Great. Like, one of the favorite coaches I've ever played for, for sure. Um. Me and Trevor Gillies studied that year, and Gillies went on to play for the Islanders. They're tough guy. You know? Yep. That, it's um, like you're, re- it's like you're reading my questions. That was my next question. How was Gillies? <laughs> yeah. No, good. I actually talked to him yesterday on the phone. Like yeah. We talked probably weekly as well. Um, heck, this, the beauty just retired like freaking three months ago. Okay. Uh, pro for that guy. I was going to say, did, is he actually retiring, or is he going back, or is he done? No, he, he's done. He's, he's done, done now? He's kind of a real job. Um, Heck, he does uh, like kind of credit card processing with a huge company. But he got into it and he was still playing a couple of years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you meet all the sponsors, you meet these people. So if they give you their business, like what better route to take than that? You know what I mean? 
Yep. And then you get paid every month on all those deals. Heck, I actually switched all all my company's stuff over to them. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Actually, my merchant credit card guy too. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a fun year. Like I remember Jeff Rubaker, he'd call us, go fly by the end of the bench. If we were losing a game and say I already fought their team tough guy, I'd go by the bench and look their captain in the eyes and or whoever the best player was. I'd be like, you take another shot on that, I'm going to fucking kill you. And Brubaker loved it. Like, he'd tell us to do it during games. Like, hey, go fly by the bench. Then <laughs> <laughs> so the Gillies would come right behind me yelling at somebody else. Like, it was awesome. Like, just, yeah, fun year. And I got hurt that year, but fun year and just, uh, I don't know, old-time hockey. Like, that year in the coast was just almost different than the rest of my years were, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, great time, though. That two two beauties of the game, Jeff Rubaker and Trevor Gillies for sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to say with Gillies, it's unbelievable. Even you see him now, Christ, he still looks like he's 21 years old. Oh, that's like the other day he posted a picture on Instagram and he had a backpack on. I'm like, what do you want on your first day of school? Yeah. No, <laughs> he exactly. looks like a rookie and he's 39 years old. Yeah. No, I mean. But, and he, he's honestly probably the hardest worker I've ever played with. Yeah. In and out of the gym, like the guy just, you could tell it had the motivation. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I see other guys that had more skill for sure. Other guys were super, super tough and bigger. And just a guy that wouldn't take no. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kept going, kept fighting, kept doing this thing. Like, heck, I'd hate to know the amount of fights that guy's been into. You know? Yeah. Well, that <laughs> 15 years, that, that's a big number. Oh, yeah. Well, I'd always just laugh on Twitter. You get these idiots, like, when he played in, uh, in South Carolina there for the last couple of years in the East Coast League. And, of course, they're, oh, why would you sign that dummy in the East Coast League? And it's like, are you serious? You don't understand why a team signed Trevor yeah. Gillies in the East Coast League. Moron. Yeah. You don't know why, well, do and you? Gillies, and Gillies is one of those guys, great team guy. You know yes, I mean? yes. Like, they would, they would sign him as a team guy to not even play a game. You know what I mean? Like, he was that guy, got your team together like glue. Um, and obviously the other team would shit their pants with the guy flipped lost his mind. <laughs> oh, I said at thirty nine years old, he was still thirty nine years old, he's still the toughest guy in the East Coast League. Oh, let's be honest, last year he was the toughest guy in professional hockey. Yes, he was. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, yeah. think, name, name another guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I seen somebody today was doing a poll um, ranking the current NHL heavyweights. Yep. HockeyFights.com. Like, well, can, I go, can, can you, yeah, it was HockeyFights.com. I go, hey, could you guys even do this when the second guy didn't have 15 fights? Yeah. Like, back in the day, we used to have 20 fights by Christmas. Yep. <laughs> you know? And then the end of the year, you kind of get into playoffs, you kind of fight a little bit less, you know? Um, well, that's like every, everybody talks, like Ryan Reeves is the toughest guy in the NHL. That's what everyone, and I'd probably agree with that. I'd probably agree with that. But I, would, I, don't, I don't have any problem saying Trevor Gillies could beat Ryan Reeves. Heck, I would fight Ryan Reeves tomorrow. Well, and I haven't played in freaking 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, just, it, it, it's weird because back in the day, like, shit, remember Chris Simon and freaking LaRock, like, all those big monsters, you know what I mean? Like, yep. just crazy. And these guys now are like, yeah, Reeves is tough, don't get me wrong, he probably is a tough guy. Like, I, I agree with you, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, even, like, Wilson last year, like, tough guy. But yep. Nothing like you guys were five years ago. No. Uh, Ten years ago, you know. No. No, she's a different game nowadays. But, uh, for sure. Yeah. But in Greensboro, so I was noticing just in your fight card, I I think you fought Dan Vandermeer about four times that year. 
Yeah, and I ended up coaching him by the end of my career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, them Vandermeer um, so boys. Him played, he played in Spokane. I played in Tri-Cities. And then we were obviously teammates in Spokane for a little bit. Um, so a guy I knew, but pound for pound, the toughest guy back in the day. He was probably 165 pounds soaking wet. So he throw a right to the left, and his left was a bomb, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, tough kid. I remember, heck, he got the better of me in one fight. Went into the Brubaker that year. I'm like, hey, freaking lefty, keep moving on me. What the hell do I do? He's like, push him against the damn wall. I'm like, all right. So when he dropped the gloves the next time, I made sure we were close enough to the board. I had pushed him against the wall, and then I kind of gave it to him that fight. So, I mean, that was kind of funny. Yeah, Vandermeer. Yeah, M- M- Mazer said the same thing. Yeah, probably pound for pound. Uh... Hey, let's be honest. The whole damn Vandermeer family stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah, well, and then just, for sure. and then just some other guy, uh, you know, Derek Ernst, uh, Richard Scott, uh, yeah. Bell, Anthony Belza, Blair Stazer, Jeff Sullivan. Yeah. Sullivan probably was, I bet you over the years, um, shit, I wonder how many times I fought Sullivan. Easily over 10 times. Probably 12, 14, 15 times. And he was the guy, he was a lefty, I was a righty. He was a couple inches taller than me, we were pretty much the same size. <laughs> We'd just be like, want to go? All right. He'd lock my right or his left. And he'd almost nod. You ready? And we'd just throw until somebody fell down. Yep. Like, I have no problem admitting I lost fight to that guy. But I also, yeah, heck, won as many or more than that that on my end. And, oh, it was, it was awesome. Like, you know, it was going to be a clean, honest fight. And one of us would go down. Fight was over. And that was it. So, just good time. And good guy. Like, that guy was a freaking warrior. Like, he'd be ready to go any game. Yeah, he was around for a while, Johnstown there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was. I can tell you a legend of Johnstown. So. Yep. Well, yeah. so then, uh, so we wrap up in Greensboro. Then uh, the following season, it's off to uh, Macon to go play with the Whoopi. Oh. <laughs> yeah, worst decision I made to go down there. But I got traded there from Greensboro because Greensboro folded for the year. Yep. Um, yeah, I definitely wish I would have went somewhere up north. Because up north, like, Darcy Burrow, all these other guys, heck, they're going to the NHL. You know what I mean? And I kind of got caught down south there and just super tough, super tough guys. Like, I remember shit Columbus back then. Shit like they Mitch Fritz and a freaking Barry Dreger and all these guys that were legit, legit. Heck, all of them played in the NHL after as a tough guy, you know? Yep. Um, but, yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, I don't know. Mason had a great time. We had a great team. Um, but probably wish I would have gone somewhere else that year. Yeah, that's probably the, the best answer there for sure. Like just, but just great, great team name though. Probably the best team name I've ever played for though. The Whoopie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Making Whoopie. So. But, uh, yeah, so you played 68 games, 270 penalty minutes, 28 tilts, so you were a busy dude. Uh, you know, yeah. just, uh, uh, just some of the guys you fought, Jerome Bouchard. I mean, that guy was, that guy played forever, that Bouchard. That, that, that was my whole over, and he actually still probably coaches down there. Because he coached there when he was in the SPHL for years. Um, but don't even know if they still have a team, to be honest with you. But, and we had a jersey auction that night for charity. And I think my jersey sold for $2,000. The next closest guy sold for like 600 bucks. <laughs> and we fought. I remember right in our goalie's crease. He came in and whacked our goalie. So I grabbed him and kind of gave it to him. And they were like, shit, nobody's going to make him beat up him in years. So they said, like, back when they were in the Central League, obviously he played in Columbus, you know? Yeah. Um, they're like, shit, he terrorized our team for years. 
But shit, that's a guy that was obviously older than me at the time, but just a gamer, you know? Yeah. One of those wily old vets of shit. Yeah. You know where he was on the ice, and shit, he'd get you. Yeah. <laughs> well, then it was like uh, uh, Dave Stewart, uh, you know, like you said, yeah. Fritz. Yeah, uh, Stewart a few times. Yeah, uh, Kazoka. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, uh, Tyler Willis again. There's Willie shows up again. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he he's been there a few times. <laughs> Little fucker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Scott. Mark Scott. There's a guy. He was a pretty big dude, wasn't he? He was. Yes, he was for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, like again, well, you're you're keeping your theme of uh, playing in warm places. Yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. But even guys like Tech that year, I remember I fought that Brad Cookshank a few times. You know what I mean? That was just, yeah. Calgary, Alberta. So I played against him, I believe, in the AJ. Um, but just one of those guys, he made it down south. He loved it down. I remember he played in Pensacola. And actually, me and him fought one night. We stayed, stayed over, obviously. played him a second night. And went out to dinner with him and took me to his condo. And he had a condo right on the water on one of like the marinas down there. I was like, shit, this is way nice in my apartment in Macon. <laughs> <laughs> but... Oh well, yeah, get the perks sometimes in the right places. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess every all the places it's all depends on the sponsors and everything, and yeah, yep, you could uh, you could wheel yep. some sweet deals. But uh, so the next year, oh two oh three, the next year you play on a couple teams. You you start in Reading, and then you end up in Toledo. Yep. Well, so we'll we'll start in Reading. How did that How did that go for you? Probably could have been the best. We had a great team, horseshit coach. I was fucking clueless. Um, like I remember, I, I went out. Our captain got ran over by somebody. So I went and jumped. Not, not jumped the guy, but got instigator in the fight. You know what I mean? And he fined me like $35 or something. Like out of my paycheck. So I went down lost my mind to the GM. They obviously paid me my money back. I'm like, you don't want me to fight? Fine, I'll let guys get run over all night. No, yeah. no, no, no. I'm like, well, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, And I remember I'm like, I had a fight bonus. So I think I was getting paid like 200 bucks a fight or something, right? So they took 35 bucks out, but I'm like, then I got in a fight, so I got a $200 bonus. I'm like, dude, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and I had a meeting with the coach. We are trying to smooth everything over, and then he was just, things went the wrong way, and I picked up a chair and tried throwing it at him. And uh, got traded from last place team to the first place team the next day. The well, most got... hot-headed moment I ever had in hockey, because I was a pretty calm guy, to uh, <laughs> getting traded to uh, first place team at the time. You're probably thinking, son of a bitch, I, th- I should have thrown the chair a month earlier. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. So, yeah, and then they picked up Dave Stewart, because I remember we went back to Red to play, and that's who they picked off. And first shift, obviously, I went right after him and, yeah, kind of gave him a licking, and that was it. That was it from there. So. Yeah, well, and then, uh, well, like you said, and then you go to Toledo. Yep, yeah, yeah, Claude Noel was the coach. Yeah. Probably the Probably the smartest coach I've ever played for. I can honestly say that. You know, like just hockey was almost a science then, you know. Um, but, yeah, played. You know, we, we went far in the playoffs. And, yeah, had a had a fun year. Great group of guys. Well, I was going to say the, uh, the, the uh, minor league le- legend on the team, Daryl Bootlin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Booter was a rookie. Like, so he was funny. He was, he was my – he was a right-hand shot, I think. Pretty sure, but played left wing. So me, him, and Matt Ellis, who played for uh, Buffalo for a bunch of years, we were aligned. So, yeah, I had a, had, a, had a good time there with him, for sure. 
And it was yeah. funny, I used to work with them on fighting, and I go, hey, when a guy comes into your space, find like a line on the ice, because that's kind of what I used to do. If he's in there, I know I can reach him. You know what I mean? So we're telling him that one game. The next game, you fight somebody, one punch the guy, leaves him laying face first on the ice after one punch. <laughs> so, no, it was funny. Yeah, yeah, and he's, uh, well, there's another guy, he's still rolling too. Oh, crazy, huh? He's, I seen a thing last year somebody posted. I think he's the, what, most current, pl- or. Oh, yeah, no, that was me. Yeah, he's ho- he's a hockey's active penalty minute leader. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, no shit. So. Yep. Yeah, pretty crazy. Well, plus even that year we had Andre Payette, who was freaking nuts back in the day. Yep. Um, we had Brandon Fle- like Brandon Fleener. Brandon Fleener. One of our stay-home D-men was tough as nails, you know? Like, yep. How did you just, uh, well, that's such a legendary minor league town, and the storm's been there, and the fans are just oh, rabid. The arena was awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, how were the fans in Toledo? T- they must have loved you. Well, the great thing is I remember my first game there when I fought to make Johnstown, and uh, literally I went, I remember I fighting him down in the corner, and the glass was so low, I slapped everybody's hands on the way of the penalty box. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely a good time. And then uh, that year, Kid Rock did a ceremonial puck drop there. You know what I mean? Yep. And to get off the ice, he had to go through the penalty box up to the stands and kind of leave. You know what I mean? And he was in the penalty box. And I remember I fought Jeff Sullivan before the puck drop. And nice. I, so I sit down in the penalty box and Kid Rock sitting in there. He's like, dude, this is freaking amazing. This is better than a Red Wings game for sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, the linesman went, or the ref went to drop the puck, and then I don't know if they went to back the guys out of center and line them up or something, you know what I mean? And I remember me and Sully already talked. We were going to fight the first shift, and we were both out there, you know, and talked about it in warm-ups, and sure enough, we dropped the gloves, and they hadn't even dropped the puck yet. So, 20-minute <laughs> mark of the game, five-minute major. There you go. Yeah. I was going to ask, I've heard I've heard people talk about this guy, and I, I see that you fought him too. Actually, I think uh... – yeah, no, you were in Toledo when you fought him. TJ Reynolds. Yeah, he was a tough kid gamer. Like, he was actually, you know, my first fight for Toledo was against TJ Reynolds, but it was in Wheeling. Yes, yes, it then was. When he came back, was, uh, yeah, my first fight at home. But uh, he, uh, tough kid. Like, I remember he was kind of out terrorizing guys on the ice, like just, he was young, wanted to fight every time, you know what I mean? And uh, I remember just, I heard Noel kind of say, under his breath, like, shit, somebody's got to stop that guy. So, for, I went out there, like, kind of right at that line change time. Like, obviously, he wasn't telling me to go to fight, but I went right at and fought him. And I remember he cracked me with three punches right off the bat, and I'd never even thrown a punch yet. Then I kind of got on my horse and threw about five or six and ended up dropping him by the end of the fight. And then came back to the bench after my penalty, and Noel was like, I was not telling you to fight him. Like, he's like, I'm like, no, no, we're good. I'm all good. <laughs> but... But that was yeah, like one of my first shifts ever playing for the Toledo Storm back then. Was fighting that guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he was a gamer for sure. Tough uh, kid. Yeah, big dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you so you wrap up Toledo. Now you're off to the, the Central Hockey League. Yeah, Legault's fault for sure. And you end up in Austin. Yeah, so definitely blame Legault for that one. <laughs> so I uh, signed in Austin. Jeff Greenlaw, who's one of the tough guys back when I played, was now the head coach. Um, had a clause to where I could leave by Christmas because I was really hesitant on signing there. You know what I mean? Um, but the funny is, you know how it was? They were 
originally a you know Western professional team. Yeah. Me and Legola, the two highest paid guys on the team back then. Uh, so it was kind of a weird deal. Like we were there, buddies hanging out. Me and him, lived, me and Sean lived in the same apartment complex. And only two guys out, all the way by Lake Travis in Austin. And uh, yeah, it was tough. Like I, I told people before, like if I would have stayed in Austin past Christmas, I probably would have been a full blown alcoholic. Like <laughs> there's yeah. a bar on every ten steps in that town, you know. So yeah, definitely. Uh, it was still a pretty good hockey town, but just too much stuff going on, you know. Um, yeah. Well, that's yeah, so definitely. I was gonna go go back to Toledo, so I asked the leave to go back to Toledo, and they're like, "Oh, Memphis just wants to do a trade for you right now." So I called Memphis. I'm like, "Hey, you guys, I'm going back to Toledo," you know. But they were like, "No, if they waive you, we're claiming you." So whatever. So I actually literally worked out a verbal agreement to play the weekend for them, and then keep going to Toledo. Remember, I had my U-Haul, and everyone unloaded it. <laughs> Yeah, had a Harley at the time, had it loaded in the back with a bunch of clothes and stuff, and stopped, played two games. Like, so I probably got there on a Friday, played Saturday, Sunday, and drove to Toledo Monday. Well, there you go. Yeah, so you're back in Toledo to finish the year. Yep. Yeah, and I think, I don't know what I played, half, but half the year, maybe 30, 35 games that year. 30 games, and 18. And I came close to getting the, I think I came close to getting the top five in fights in the year, in the league that year. And I finished sixth or seventh after only, what, 30 games or 35 games or something, so. Yeah, yeah, it was funny, but but Toledo, yeah, good old. That's good old hockey town, you know. Like I said, that old barn was unbelievable to play in. Like, still had no netting. Puck would go over the glass. Like, people better watch out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I just have seen video and stuff. Yeah, they're just like hanging over the glass, and you wouldn't want to be a you wouldn't want to be on the visiting team. I can tell you that. Oh, and you had to walk through the stands to get to the bench, like just a different different world for sure you know oh, oh yeah um yeah like i have a couple of old fight videos from there and it's kind of like literally you'd get in a fight and you'd high five fans on the way to the assembly box like that was a thing yeah like how <laughs> that front glass was so yeah i was fight, well, I was, I was watching some toledo fights the other night yeah and i was watching ken tasker was doing that well he was such a hero yeah. in toledo right so yeah he was uh you'd see him high five and everybody to the bench and stuff and yeah, I remember fighting him in Augusta. Gillies was on his team, right? Yeah. I probably hit him 20 times in the fight, and I don't even know if he hit me. So coming out for the second or third period, he's standing at center yelling at me. You want to get it again? I'm like, Gillies, is he yelling at me? Like, he didn't really hit me. Like, what the hell? And Gillies like, ah, I don't know. I don't I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but Tasker, he was obviously a gamer. You know what I mean? Like, I fought him a couple times, and he was, he was always willing. So... Oh yeah, like you just watch some of those videos. I mean, just he wasn't the biggest guy, but it was just like wide oh, open and just. Well, you know, and obviously that fight with him and like Trevor Sand. Oh yeah, seen a million times. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, that thing's been around for years, but just a beauty of a fight. Just no oh. defense. Just oh yeah, throw. So. One of those guys that'll take three to throw one, and yeah, exactly. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, so then the final year, you're kind of wrapping up. It's 0405. Well, and you go to another pretty solid hockey town in Flint to play with the Generals. Yeah, so my good, good buddy Brent Curry signs there, right? Well, that, that, we're um, okay. I was going to. Hey, we got to. Hey, Curry, if you're listening to this, quit dodging my phone calls. We got to get him on this show. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's get him in there. He pretends he's busy, but he's a firefighter, so he works like eight days a month or something. So. Well, I was going to say, you talk about someone that has nothing but time. Is is that yeah, guy exactly, exactly for sure? 
But uh, that year, didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, Nick Bucci took over the team in Toledo. Um, talked to them about possibly signing there, and then um, ended up being that was the year of the NHL strike too. By the way, yeah. Um, but you know, guys, the NHL thought thought they were striking. So jobs started. I remember I I used to kind of wait, like I'd wait and kind of get as much money as I could. Like that was kind of part of the game. You know what I mean? Like I'd get fight bonuses put in there. I'd get whatever I could put in my contract. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have teams make my car payment, make whatever else, whatever possibly I could ask for. You know what I mean? And that year, jobs just started getting snatched up left and right. Like, it was crazy. Um, and I remember I got a call from Danbury that year. They already signed Wingfield. They told me, like, hey, whatever anybody offers you a week, we'll give you a thousand bucks more. Yeah. I was like, what? The Rooks' new team, they're full of shit. They're not going to give me a grand more a week. You know what I mean? And in the minor room, I said, that's 30 more grand. There's no way. You know what I mean? So I ended up signing at Flint for what I thought was a pretty good deal back then with Robbie Nichols as GM and head coach. And uh, had a good year, but shit, playing against Danbury was a debacle. Like, I was going to say, oh, you, you should have signed to Danbury. Yeah. Oh, I damn well should have. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like that was, uh, oh, like honestly, the most intimidating I've ever been in a game after my rookie year, right, was playing in Danbury. Yep. Uh, I actually told Wingfield the story the other day because he was hurt. He was overlooking the owner's box. Looked down and said, well, okay, keep your head up. I'm like, what? My buddy Mike Bayrak, one of the leading scorers on the team, he comes by and stretches by me kind of at center ice. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, bud, fucking be safe tonight. And I'm like, be safe. And I see guys skating around. Like, you know, we're, we're five minutes into warm-up right now, right? Yep. But the end, nobody's shooting on the goal because the end boards are still open. So I'm like, what the hell? So all of a sudden, Ruman Nadir escaped out, the Nigerian nightmare. What's he, 6'4", 6'5", tough as nails. Yeah. He comes skating out. So I'm like, oh, shit, sake. All of a sudden, Stephen Pete, Washington Capitals tough guy, skates out. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So they're not shutting the door. Then Garrett Burnett comes and skates out. Like, these guys are NHL heavies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so I'm like, holy shit. And they already have a couple tough guys on the ice. You know what I mean? Like, Danbury Hud. So I was leading the league in fights. Our team was leading the league in majors. Uh, we had a great big guy, Mike Wolf, was like 6'5", 300 pounds, uh, was hurt that night. So literally I was kind of the only one in the lineup for Flint. And I'm still not shutting the end wall. And this, my memory of this is the same time the first time I was slap shot. When Ogie Oglethorpe skated out of the tunnel, Brent yeah. Gamble by a Lois comes out, hair down to his ass. <laughs> Eating out, no shoulder pads on, wheeling around and just, I don't even know if touched the puck and warm us. He came up by center. I started doing some push-ups and just kept skating for a lap. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, a little intimidating. That's definitely a, a lineup you wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of for sure. No. Well, and then Morasti was still there too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. They had Morasti. Like I said, they had Wingfield in the stands. He was hurt. Like, shit. They had as much toughness in the stands as we had on the ice or more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't right for sure. Yeah. Run by the yeah. run by the mob, and oh, that's a movie right yeah. there. They could make out of that show. Well, well they actually are. Yeah, uh, film company just signed a deal. I heard like a month or two ago that they're going to make a full on movie on it. Awesome. Yeah, so, yeah. But I always, I always um, joke. I always said to my, my buddies, I said, if I ever, if I had ever won the lottery, that's exactly the team I would have run. I would have run it the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they did. They just bought players, and obviously, they, like I have guys like that I'm friends with and guys I played with, they got called in and hauled in by the FBI because they got 
videotape of them taking $100,000 bonuses and stuff. Yep. Like, that's not a thing in the United Hockey League. You know what I mean? Guys aren't making a hundred grand a year. These guys are hundred thousand dollar bonuses. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, but I damn well should have called it back and signed there. <laughs> yeah. No, instead you're stuck with uh, Curry at Modogs and Flint. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was driving me home. Shit. Well, another, another teammate you had in Flint who went on to play, uh, in the, uh, in the Quebec League forever. And he is nuts Tidball. too, is Curtis Tidball. What was, how, yeah, how did yeah. you get along with Curtis? So first year, really good. Second year, I coached him. I signed him and coached him when I was, or uh, two years after in Elmira. When I was the head coach of Elmira there, he was actually one of my first signings. Yep. So, um, yeah, and I kind of talked him out of going back to the Quebec League actually, because he already played there kind of the year before a little bit. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and I was trying to get him back to, you know, lower 48, back to some real hockey. I tried telling him, but. Heck, as soon as that season was over, he was back in Quebec before the <laughs> before the bus door closed for sure. Wanted the money, yeah. It, uh... oh. oh, it was stupid money. Like, I remember when I got traded from Reading to Toledo, right? It was Christmas time, so there's 30, 35 games left in the season. My teams offered me a hundred grand cash to finish three months in Quebec. They only went till the end of March. Hundred grand cash plus they put me on uh, workers' comp in the summer because they laid me off. Or yep. employment insurance in the summer. That yep. was part of their. That was part of their negotiating. Oh yes. And I was like Jesus. Like it's like hard to turn down a hundred grand cash, but shit. Knowing the guys who were there, like these are guys like you know, say a Jason Rushton. When I fought Rushton, he was two hundred twenty pounds. Jason Rushton, the Quebec League, two hundred eighty pounds. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't sitting at Krispy Kreme having donuts with Tim Hortons. You know what I mean? He was in the gym every damn day. You know. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was definitely. Yeah, uh, there was definitely some substances going around, without a oh, doubt. Yeah, I wouldn't even want to know, Jesus. <laughs> but, but yeah, like that wasn't, you know, I wasn't even there. There wasn't, you know, hundred grand was worth him a face kicked in every night. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, not. Well, and you, well, like you said, just going on with your teammates there. Like, well, you had Ted Bull, you had uh, Curry, um, we had Jimmy Duhart. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the ones that I think I called in by the FBI and asked questions. Too. Shit. Yeah, because he was in uh, he was in Danbury, so we traded back for him. He was a big leading scorer the year before. Yeah, and then uh, then another salty old Kevin Kerr. Yeah, yeah, old Kerr. Heck, he was down shit in Macon coaching a couple years ago, or last year even. So yeah, he's down there. Yeah, so, he was around. He was around a long time. Yeah, well, even that year we had Steel Neal Pasilico. Uh, we can talk about a tank. Yep. Like, he went up to that Quebec League for a little bit, but. Shit, the guy was, what, 6'2", 260 pounds probably, like not an ounce of fat off. Like, yep. hardest snapshot I've ever seen in my life. Like, just rockets. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that Quebec League, like you said, that's a, that's a different world up there. No, for sure. For sure, for sure. You know, yeah. well, and then, uh, well, and then the, the last year, your final season of pro, 2005 and well, I was going to ask you before we get to that when you were uh, when you were saying the NHL lockout was going on. So is that when uh, yeah. like Chelios and all those guys were playing in Motor City? Yep, yep. What was the yeah, what was the general good. what was the feeling amongst the boys in the locker room when you were sitting there and you see Hatcher and them playing? Was it like well, were you guys well, pissed I, off I, I, at them or no? I had to do a call with the league president because. <laughs> I freaking uh, 
still playing that first first game was against us. So Motor City played Toledo. I mean, played uh, Flint. The first game that they had all the all the NHL guys. Yep. Right? Yep. So I'm like, oh shit, here we go. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, they got Chelios, but Chelios is a good guy. You know what I mean? They have Sean Avery, who's a fucking asshole. You know? And uh, you know, we're going out there playing, and like, dude, they had like, what's his name, Hatcher? Freaking, he had security guards walking in the rink with him. So obviously I had to freaking start chirping in the warm-up, seeing this shit. You know what I mean? Like, no security guards at a freaking hockey game. You know what I mean? And uh, so I remember that game, I cross-checked him all the way from freaking center ice, all the way down to the far boards and threw him on the boards. And I got a two-minute roughing penalty. So I ran this show that night, and I'm getting a goal and assist in, like, second star. So they interviewed me after the game in Flint for the, the uh, local news, you know? And I put in there, I go, well, he made it pretty clear he was getting paid 500 bucks a week. And I said, well, shit, they're overpaying him by 400 bucks a week. I said, Hatcher's the worst player on the ice tonight. League called the next day, wanted me to, like, never say anything bad about the NHL guys again because they were selling out stadiums every, or selling out arenas everywhere. You know what I mean? And I go, but he was. I go, he was minus three his first game. I mean, Hatcher was horse shit. So the league commission like, just don't say anything anymore. Let it be. <laughs> But, yeah, Richard Brussel was on the phone giving me shit that next day. So, oh, well, pretty funny. Well, like, I mean, I can, I can see it from, a, like, an owner standpoint. Of course, you want those guys on the team because, I mean, you know, whatever, just for the name value. But it's just like, I don't know. You, you see him down there. I don't know. It just seems so, I'm like, ah. Yeah, even, like, Sean Avery. Oh, yeah. He does a little shit, right? So, I remember grabbing him in a scrum. We both got a two-minute penalty because I punched him in the head, and he kind of whacked me, you know? So, countdown, we're getting out at the same time. So I remember telling him to count, and I'm like, hey, 30 more seconds, you're freaking dead. Like, I wanted to kill him so bad. I'm like, 15 seconds, 5 seconds. He throws a water ball at the ref from the penalty box in his own barn while they're winning the game. Get kicked out of the game, so everybody come back on the ice. Duh. Like, little chicken shit. I wanted to kill him so bad. But, oh, well. And he was just a dick. Like, guys in his team, like, I remember Fleener and guys that I played the year before in Toledo were like, hey, We'll put together a thousand bucks if you beat him up tonight. But guys on his own team hated him that much. Yeah. Of the year of the NHL strikes. You know what I mean? Like most hated guy in the NHL, hands down. Well, I mean, by his own teammates though. Well, I mean that's the thing. It was like, yeah, well, that's why he was out of the league, right? It was like, oh yeah. You know, when it's one thing. It's hard to kill the guy. Well, yeah. When the when you're when the boys don't even like you, it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. Like, hey, I've been an asshole and. I actually used to feed off other teams chirping me and other fans chirping me and stuff. It was awesome. You knew you were in the game and you were getting under the skin. You know what I mean? But if your own team hated you, <laughs> that was kind of a different world for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so your last season, you, you, it was kind of a, kind of a different year. You, uh, you start off playing in, well, with Richmond. Uh, you play yeah. 11 games, you get hurt. And then you end up. Yeah, and I was having a co- great year too. Should have had four or five points already, and I think I had like nine nine fights already in eleven games, or eight, six or seven fights, something like that. Yep. Dislocated my shoulder, and that was my fifth shoulder surgery, my left shoulder. Yeah. So enough was enough. Well, I went in the doctor. You know, did the MRI, all the stuff they usually do. And they're like, "Hey, you've had so many surgeries. It'll be fix you. You might never be able to lift up your kid when they're older." You know what I mean? Like, there's things that if you get hurt again, so it's kind of like, "Oh shit." You know what I mean? Like, what do I do? Yeah. So, Robbie Nichols, who was my coach in Flint, was a coach in Richmond. That's why I ended up going to sign him there. And, uh, 
you know, coaching, I was helping out. I was kind of the assistant coach, wait for surgery, all that stuff. Um, like we earlier, Dan Vandermeer was one of my buddies on the team. Joey Bash, the guys I played at the Tri-Cities, you know. And uh, owners called me in, and I thought they were setting up surgery. And I talked to Robbie Nichols that day, and he said, hey, would you ever think about getting into, like, assistant coaching and doing this stuff? And it was just that day. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, everything, a job opened up, but obviously I didn't think I was that guy that teams were looking for. You know what I mean? And uh, so I go meet the owners of the hotel. They flew from New York. And I'm like, hey, we're moving Robbie Nichols to Chicago because they were open that team that they had in Hoffman Estates in Chicago the next year after. So like, we're going to send him there to get the team ready. Um, do you want to be head coach? <laughs> and I remember I was wearing wet pants and a T-shirt. Just came from like a Starbucks. And they're like, you're going to start dressing better. I'm like, well, dress better. Like, I thought I was going for surgery. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, we already talked to Robbie. He recommended you. You know, we're moving him to Chicago to do this. And, uh, yeah, you want to take over the team? <laughs> So we were below 500, and when I took over, we went 20 wins, nine losses, two ties. Yes, I was going to say. the very last playoff spot that got knocked out, yeah. So, you, you were vying for coach of the year. Oh, I know. Like, I, I literally was. Like, I remember Richie Brissell called me. He's like, shit, you know, you got both in this thing. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, but at 27 years old, head coach, you know. Um, in fact, somebody told me the other day that whatever my age was, I think I was 27 that year. Um, obviously not including NHL, but they said it was the youngest head coach to ever have over a 500 record. <laughs> oh, there, you, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who knows? And then that next year, I mean, the owners actually got in a pretty big argument. They wanted me to start throwing games. We were, we were doing so well. Only wanted me to play my backup goalie, all this. So literally, like, whatever they said, I kind of turned it against them, and that kind of fueled our team. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like the old major league movie where they didn't want you to win. Like, it was – and these are my buddies. Like these are my boys that I recruited some of the guys to play for the team. You know what I mean? Well, what what, what were they want? The what did they want you to throw the games for? Because in Richmond, uh, super you know professional city, a lot of guys, a lot of people work in DC. Our weekly games were no attendance. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were already shutting that team down, which they never told us at the time. Um, so the first, if we were the last seed, our first series would have been a Tuesday, Thursday in Richmond. And uh, they said they would have lost a hundred grand by the time they paid travel and salaries and all that stuff for a couple more weeks. So they were literally like, "Play your backup goalie, do this." So I remember the one game they made me start the backup goalie. Like literally, they're like, they came to the game at the arena, had me fill the sheet in front of them, starting the backup goalie. It was a great guy at the time. The our <coughs> uh, Mike D'Alessandro was our starting goalie. He was hot. Like, we were winning games because the guy was fucking on fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, they recognized that. And uh, so, when we were playing Danbury, I remember that we were getting rest. We were at home, and the rest were all scared to get Danbury. Like, you get two hands in the face, and you get the penalty. They were afraid the mafia was going to come after the refs, I think. So, so I threw a <laughs> water ball at the ref, standing on the board, like a jackass back in the day. Got kicked out of the game, but I remember telling Vandermeer and Delhi, I'm like, hey, I'm out of the game. Do whatever you want. We came back and tied the game. <laughs> so we stole a point that night. So that was pretty funny. In the league, I told them what was going on a little bit. And they never suspended me or nothing. So, yeah, definitely comedy. But uh, that first year coaching, it was, it was a blast. There right. you go. A little, little something different. Well, so, yeah. So you so you, you wrap up the coaching in Richmond. Um, yeah. And I was just going to – I think I'm, like, out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I – because they part of my deal was if I did good, they guaranteed an assistant job in Chicago. Yeah. So I was 27 years old at the time. I'm like, shit, perfect. Assistant coaching gig right now? I'll take it. You know what I mean? So literally one of the arguments we got into when I wouldn't throw games for him 
they're like, that's it, you're fired, you're not coming, you're not coming to Chicago, this and that. So I'm like, all right, whatever. And uh, Robbie Nichols, who was my coach at the beginning of the year at our GM, he ended up quitting on him in Chicago too. General manager job in Elmira, and they were uh, call it, um, Columbus's farm team at the time, like their you know third tier farm team or second tier farm team, I guess. And uh, he called me up, went into an interview, and hired me to be the head coach. So I went from being supposed to be an assistant the next year to a head coach that year. And then uh, yeah, I had a couple things go on. So he coached part of the year, I coached part of the year kind of thing because he was so into it, you know what I mean? But we kind of shared shared the bench. It was kind of a weird deal that year. But, uh, yeah, we had a good time. And Elmira was a, actually a great great hockey town. So what, what was your uh, – There in the United League, that's where Wingfield and Legault played together back then. So Yeah. Yeah. When you guys had uh, in the mall, you had Frank Little John and Segroy and yep, oh yeah, yeah Segroy was uh, he played in. So when I got hurt in Greensboro, I was still there before I went and had surgery, and that's who they brought up to kind of replace me. Yeah. So Segroy and Gillies played together that year, and then that's when I had surgery and I was done for the year. So yeah, yes, I knew him, and you know he didn't stay long. He went right back to the AHL. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, he definitely scared the shit out of some guys when he was uh, when he was out there. How how was the how wh- now obviously how did you uh, take to coaching like did you uh, did you get what did you like because obviously you didn't coach for long but was it just uh, no. did you just couldn't just wasn't for you or uh... no no I actually really really liked it I actually um, turned down another job in the Central League I got offered a head coaching job after that year um, did an interview got offered a job and then I talked to uh, Don Knockbar who was Chelsea City's head coach at the time. Yep. And I thought, like, heck, this guy's been around pretty much the best coach in the WHL. You know what I mean? Um, if I could go work under him for a couple years, I'm not even 30 years old yet at the time. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I can kind of go back with him, and then, shit, if he ever goes to the NHL, or else I can jump back pro because I've already had head coaching experience. Um, yeah, I did an interview in Tri-Cities, and, you know, they kind of, you know, weren't really sure, and I already turned down these other jobs. So I was like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? And then they just... Heck, there's a pretty big pay decrease to be an assistant coach in the dub because they were paying out the other head coach they had or something at the time. So it was one of those ones that just, you know, we moved back, bought a house to start a family, and almost I couldn't afford to take the assistant coaching job in the dub. So kind of a weird, weird gig. That's definitely where I put all my eggs in that basket. So I so ended up buying a business, in, business or two, and then, uh, shit, financially, getting out of hockey probably the smartest thing I ever did. <laughs> yeah, I definitely still miss it for sure. You know, so um, but the tough thing is, you know, especially the minors. Every year they get a coach with five more wins than you had. You were replaced. Yep. You no, know, it wasn't like back in you know the Western Professional League or the Central League or the Coast even back today. Coaches signed three, four, five year contracts. You know, and you know when I was in the coaching era, it was one year deals everywhere. You know. Yeah. And one coach gets fired from one team, and all of a sudden they'd hire him and fire you. So. Yeah, I just wanted to start a family and be a little bit more stable, and that's kind of why we uh, bought a business and uh, got out of the coaching side for sure. Now, as you've got now, as you went through the the different the Western Pro and the East Coast and the Central and the U-Haul, what were like what were the the big differences in the leagues? Do you think? Like in terms of just like in, like game player, was it all kind of this you know give or take the same or? Oh, tough thing. So your Western Pro, you definitely had. Like your Western professional teams in my first two years, your top teams could have beat any East Coast League team easily because you had these veterans. 
You know what I mean? Like my first year, our whole top line had over 100 points. You know? So, like the three amigos, like Blue Island, Harris, and Boudreaux, they'd freaking every night of the week, light the lamp. You know what I mean? So, you know, and they had, like, they played together the year before I was there, which was the first year of San Angelo. They all had over 100 points that year together. You know, so your top line in the Western Professional League was probably better than any top line in the East Coast League for sure. But they were all veterans kind of playing out the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was a definitely older league, but shit, hands down the toughest league at the time, obviously, as we know. Um, but just a different mentality. You know, the East Coast League was a bit more professional for sure. Actually, a lot more professional for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And guys in the East Coast League were all trying to sort of live their career, you know? So just a way different mentality. Um, and the United League was kind of – United and Central were probably pretty similar. You know, I know United League had a higher salary cap, so you got some better players. Um, and Central League was a bunch of old, you know, WPHL teams because they joined together leagues back in the day. So, I don't know, kind of that same down south vibe a lot of those places, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, the, the coast was definitely the most professional out of the ones. And like I said, that was the league where everybody was trying to – further their career and not play out a couple more years, you know? Yeah. So. What's yeah. what's your feeling on the vet rule? I don't know. Like, they're obviously kicking guys out of the game every year because of it. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It's, it's a tough deal because, you know, the vet rule back when I played, like, the WPHL is obviously way different than the ECHL vet rule. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they had a rookie rule, not a vet rule. So I think you had to have three rookies every year, and that's all the rule was, you know? Um, so they were kind of doing the opposite at the time, but at the same time, that's why they were getting these big-name guys. You know, guys that might not have had that spot anymore in the IHL, AHL, or, you know, obviously they paid better in the Western Professional League than they did in the Coast. So guys wouldn't even think about going to the Coast then if they were down in the IRDA. They'd go straight to the WPHL and make some money. You know? But, yeah, there's some pretty big salaries back there. Like, I remember right after we beat, or Shreveport kicked our ass in playoffs that year, they are busting for a salary cap in the tracks, and the guys are making six grand a week. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, well, I, like the vet rule is always sort of, I, I don't know, to me as, uh, like, well, just from a fan's point of view, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, you're, it's not exactly like these guys are senior citizens. It's just like, and to me, it would just make your league better. Like, as a fan, I would rather watch a guy that's got 200 pro games than some snot-nosed kid, right? I mean, I don't know. And I think, and plus with the veterans, you could kind of keep them around, like in town for a few years. Like, so, it, like, yeah, like there's always the revolving door in the minors, but at least you'd have your core two or three guys that were there every year. Yeah. That's how yeah, I was kind of, I wish they kind of still did that. No, and that's how the WPHO was. Like, literally, they'd have... 10 core guys almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you replace, you know, you'd get a few young guys going to the coast every year. A um, couple guys retiring every year. So you'd refill that in with some guys, you know, and uh, you definitely have more of that. Like, don't get me wrong, in the WHL, I totally understand the vet rule. The three 20 year olds, this is a young development league. You know yep. what I mean? Like, so I oh, yeah. understand on the junior side. Yeah. So the pro side is just, it, it's different, you know? So. Yeah. I don't know. Just definitely, definitely a different gig for sure. Well, there we go. There's the uh, the winding and twisting adventures, uh, the road of uh, Chris Walsh, the the, the uh, hockey player. Um, I was gonna add, before I let you go. Um, when we were going back and forth on Twitter the other day, 
Jay Henderson jumped in. And he told the story of when you stood outside the penalty box, leaning against the boards and waited the full two minutes for the guy to get out. Well, let's get some de- let's get some details. Where where did this happen and what what went down here? <laughs> happened in Sherman Park, Alberta. We had a, a men's league team called Heavy Duty. So like Sean Legault, Brent Curry, Jay Henderson, bunch of buddies from back home were on it. Um, we're probably the toughest minor pro league team. I mean, definitely the toughest summer league team you'd ever run into, probably. Yeah. Um, and, like, I remember, heck, like, Legault fought Ray Schultz to beat him up when Ray Schultz played in the NHL. Legault fought him at summer league and kicked his ass. You know, like, <laughs> it was a pretty competitive summer league, let's say, back in the day. Yeah. Um, no, so some guy just thought he was tough and kind of was running his mouth all game and then kind of cheap shot him and called a penalty on it before I could do anything. So, yeah, Henry kind of has it right. I kind of went and stood by the penalty box and let the guys two minutes click down. And uh, we kind of played shorthanded for the shift because I didn't <laughs> – I didn't veer away from the penalty box at all. And then he came out and it was a pretty pretty quick fight. So, <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times for sure. So, so, so right there, there's a public service announcement for anybody, for everybody listening out there. If you're going to play summer hockey, be careful who you're mouthing off because you never know. For sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the worst thing is it, it would happen every summer. Oh, yeah. We had the same team probably five summers in a row. And whoever the tough guy thought it was in the winter session would try running that shit in the summer. Yep. And they'd fight Legault or fight me or fight Curry or Henry. Like, fight these guys that are, you know, in a way doing it for a living at the time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they definitely always bit off more than we get you. And then you go get a bunch of beer and go out and have fun and laugh about it after. <laughs> yep. So I have a, friend, a friend of ours here, yeah, he was telling me he played with Mel Engelstad in the summer league. Because Mel would come back in the summer and play with his his brother. Like, his brother played yeah. year-round with my buddy here in town. Well, in the summer, Mel would come back and play. And, you know, he'd just play defense, throw the sauce up the middle, and just kind of skate around and, you know, just have a good time. But there's always that guy, right? And somebody had to – and their, one guy on their team was running around, and he's – I don't know what – he's trying to fight Mel or whatever. And my buddy Rob skated over to their bench – and it's just like, are you fucking serious? Look at him. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah, just look exactly. at his I face. Want to fight pro. Yeah, yeah, like, like yeah, yeah, like look at him. He'll kill you. Like, just let it yeah. go. Like, just no, <laughs> you know. But yeah. there, like you said, there's always that guy, right? Oh no, I had the same thing here a couple years ago. So I quit playing men's league. Same thing. I moved back to D and men's league so I could just make those passes and kind of just hang out and have fun, you know. Yep. Uh, I had a guy stop and butt in me. And then tell, I told him, hey, fucking watch your stick. He's like, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, oh, really? You know, and he was taller than me. He was probably 6'3", 6'4". So I laid into him, like, glove on and dropped him in one punch. And then linesman get in there, break it up. Ref gets in there. All of a sudden, he gets tough again. So the kind of younger linesman, I go, hey, bud, let go of me. I'm going to go. I'm like, let go of me. He's like, all right, let go of me. I went right back and punched him again and dropped him again in the second punch. And I was like, yeah, that's my last men's league game. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, just like just like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Well, and the funny thing is, I had a uh, one of the hockey parents I coached with the ten year old team here. My son's on. Asked me this summer at a, a tournament we're at, what do you miss the most about playing hockey? 
And it's kind of funny because I don't know if anybody's really asked me that question like lately. You know what I mean? Like my first few years, I get it all the time. You know what I mean? But after being out of it for, you know, 10, 12 years now, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah. I go, it's kind of a goofy answer. Remember, he was there with his wife, and he's like, really? I go, yeah. And I go, you know, there's something so pure about when you line up to somebody, ask them to go and just drop your gloves, right? Something before that first punch. Like from when your gloves hit the ice till that first punch landed. You know what I mean? It was just, you know, you weren't going to get shot or stabbed like happened in the streets. It was just like, and hockey, especially back like in the WPHL and that, it was, there's rules about it. You know what I mean? You go yep. down, fight's over. You know, yep. you might get cracked an extra time or two, but that's about it. You know, that's what the worst that's happened, you know? Um, and I go, this sounds kind of odd, but I go, that's that's it. Like, I talked to Gillies last year when he got hurt, and I go, you want me to come play a game for you? And he's laughing. He goes, what? And I go, no, I don't want to play. I just want, like, one more fight. <laughs> and he's like, he was just dying laughing. He's like, come on, that's the thing you miss the most. I go, well, shit, let's be honest. Chances are I'm not going to score a freaking goal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, well, good times back in the day. Yeah, definitely wouldn't change it. You know what I mean? Like I said before, everybody wishes it would have played at a higher level except all the guys that made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, looking back now, you know, having kids and having a family and, you know, owning businesses and all that kind of stuff, like how much we got to travel at such a young age and not have to have real jobs like all our buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah, would probably wouldn't change it. You know, the way it worked out probably wouldn't change anything. So, Well, there you go. Pretty crazy. It was uh, – yep, well, sure. Well, so now that we've uh, wrapped up the hockey, like you said, you've talked about a few business. What is Chris Walls doing nowadays? What can we find you doing? Oh, it's, almost a, it's almost embarrassing to tell you. Shit about what do we... Well, I know what it is, but I'm asking anyway. Yeah. I've read your Twitter profile. <laughs> yeah, great. Awesome. So uh, my wife was working at Dave Fox. She was the first employee here, so we bought it. I think we have, what, 56 or 58 employees right now on a different own 10,000 square foot building and um, we got spa of the year in Washington State again, 2017. So um, definitely financially the best thing I did, but definitely kind of uh, I don't like telling everybody uh, for sure what we do. Um, yeah, for sure. And then me and Brent Curry own a company together called Strongbow Strength. It makes like fitness apparel for like powerlifters and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then my wife has an online company, uh, Bria Bella Boutique, named after my daughter Bria, and uh, it's women's, women's clothing. So definitely going from, you know, supposed a tough guy when I played hockey to uh, definitely I uh, you know the other side of the the gender now for sure. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Hey, the, yeah. the the only thing that matters is making that green, man. That's all that matters. Oh, I know. Yeah, yep. for sure, for sure. And like Washington State, like where we're at, the economy is probably. Well, even Richland, where we live, is uh, just the, the number two economy in the country right now down here. So um, definitely a good place to be for sure. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like you... hockey. I took over, took over president of minor hockey here, which is probably the dumbest move I've ever done. I was about to say that that would have been worse than any coaching job or fighting yeah. anybody. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But feel like we got things going in the right direction. We're, you know, we're growing every year, which is great for the kids. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's all good. Definitely different to be home in Alberta, but uh, I got better winners here, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a lot better winters. Yeah, it. Uh... Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. And, uh, well, like I said, th- th- thank you very much for uh, taking the time to sit down and, and bullshit with me. I appreciate it. For sure, anytime, anytime. And, yeah, let me know. We'll round up some other cats and get them uh, get on the air with you for sure. Yeah, we'll have to uh, you know, We'll have to get you and Curry and them on. We'll have a, a Flint roundtable. We'll, uh... yeah, for sure. 
For sure. Heck, I'll get you to get Gold Gillies on there. I'm sure he's got stuff to talk about definitely after 19 years. Uh, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That, I think that would be about a four-parter, that one, I think, going through all <laughs> timeline and his shit. That would be, uh, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, because the thing in eight years, what did I have, 226 fights or something, I think, is what he ended up being in regular season. And he's at 19 years. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and obviously last year there wasn't many cats willing to fight him. You know what I mean? No. But, Deal. That's a that's a way bigger number, I'm sure. So, hey, how, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling? Like, how are the hands and everything? Okay, everything's good. Like, funny is that last shoulder surgery, everything's held up since that. Um, hands still pretty good. Um, I had two wrist surgeries in my right wrist from obviously from fighting. Um, that's kind of the thing that bothers me the most. But it's something like, you know, it'll bother me one week and then it won't bother me for six months. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like a lot of my buddies back home, especially you know the guys that went to college and pay attention, like they go reading the news, are like, oh. Your memory loss, all this stuff from all these fights, especially after the uh, the Enforcer movies come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Guardians. Yeah. The Guardians. And I'm like, no. They literally don't have any of those things. Um, but luckily for me, like when I fought, like I said, Shane Dutton that taught me enough on the defense side, I never really took that many big, big blows. Like I think I only had two concussions my whole life, and one of them was when I was 14. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that's good. So definitely I know a whole bunch of other buddies definitely aren't, aren't as fortunate for sure. Yeah, it's one of those. Th- it's, yeah, it's one of those things moving forward. It'll be interesting to see how this. Uh, you know, obviously they're they're you know it's slowly kind of going away anyway. Just you know, just with yeah. the rule changes and everything in junior and you know, uh, yeah. like I mean, and then the, obviously as it goes on, those guys turn pro and well, if you've never fought in junior, yeah. you're never really going to fight in pro. So it's like it'll just sort of slowly go. I don't think they'll ever get rid of it, but it'll just be no. You know, but it's, it's already fizzled out. How much? Like, look. What do guys used to have? Almost 40 fights a year, and now we're down to 13 fights a year? Yeah, know? yeah. What did the leader have last year? 20, 22 fights or something like that? So, hey, yeah, Haley, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not a big number, and heck, he's not even very tough. No. Like, compared to guys in the past, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Definitely, yeah. Definitely a different world now. No, absolutely. And like, you, like you're saying, yeah, as you go forward, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with this lawsuit. What the yep. what the what the ruling is on that? Because that'll be uh, you know, and I think what's oh, the he... other one? The NHL hasn't figured out. Like we talked about on Twitter the other day, how they're trying to make it all faster, more scoring. They've been doing it for the last ten years, right? Yep. Ever since they took out the red line, I'd love to see the number on how many concussions they have now versus fighting. Yep. Like Sidney Crosby gets run over every night because he has nobody tough in his team. You know what I mean? Yep. Like one of the best players of the last era, and it's all from body checks. Crosby's not getting in fights, getting concussions. You know what I mean? He's yep. getting run over. You know, and part of it is, like, those guys are that much faster. You know, I was watching with David play in February. Freaking so fast nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy the speed. But just think, now the smaller hits are that much intensified because of the speed. You know? Yep. So, well, yeah, the, I guarantee there's some stats on that. The NHL's not, not letting out there for sure. Well, the equipment's twice as big and half, and half the weight, right? So... Oh, exactly. You got these yeah. guys like decked out like RoboCop. I mean, they could probably stop a friggin' machine gun yeah. bullet, but yeah, yeah no shit. Going a thousand yeah, miles sure. an hour and you can't hold them up, and yeah, it's uh, and then but they worry about a fight. Uh, I don't think yeah. I don't think that's your worry. Oh no, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of guys hurt in fights over the years. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But a lot of those big guys would just hold on and throw it too. You know, so definitely different than. I don't know. A lot of other guys out there, like yeah, yeah, I understand how a lot of guys got hurt at the time. Not downside of that at all, but I guarantee you, the body check numbers are way higher. You know, and since that red line, I guarantee they're even higher. 
So no, I agree. Knows. But uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. No one's going to listen to our listen to us. Yeah. So we're just a couple old very true couple of dudes on the sidelines but uh well man I, I like I, like I said I appreciate you uh coming on and 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 bullshitting with me I know it's late out there so I I took up enough of your time but uh thanks Chris man I appreciate no, it sure. no thanks Darren appreciate it. having me on and uh yeah let's chat soon for sure absolutely man take it easy all right bud have a good one you too man thank you And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 